at SifPop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Stiff Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Stiff Pop editor, Robert. Hello. As well as Foster. Hey. Robert, you don't have a, a quote from this movie this week? I'm a little rusty on my Japanese. Oh, I had I had an idea. You could have just done his <laughs> laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. His sinister laugh. Yeah. That would have been amazing. I would have appreciated that. Uh, well, we're here. Uh, we are for SiffPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges. Lots of other movie-related articles on the site. Uh, make sure to check out the website, SiffPop.com, to keep up with all that. Robert just had a review published for God's Country. Um, yes. And you'll have two more reviews coming out in the next couple weeks. Well, I, I'm doing the greatest beer run. Um, what and else am I doing? Rings of Power. <laughs> well, that's true. That's a few weeks away. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Are you doing Banshees? Yeah, I stole the top two. <laughs> rings of power and banshees i said you know what once a year i can give this to myself yeah we we had a conversation right before the review schedule went out and i told robert i'm like hey by the way i want you to do rings of power like (laughs) like i feel like we 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 have the like ultimate authority on just saying like i want this so i can have it because because also like we don't do it ever like i think this is the first time out of however many months we've been doing this way i've never done it until now and i was like I think it's about time. I think I did for Under the Banner of Heaven, but I don't know that that would have been assigned to anybody else. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think anyone else asked for that one. Yeah. Whereas Rings of Power was admittedly in pretty high demand. <laughs> and Banshees. Well, too bad. If somebody else decides they want to edit, then they can have Rings of Power. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Foster, you had uh, you had something not that long ago, yeah? Uh, last thing was 3,000 Years of Longing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. A couple yeah. weeks ago. It seemed like that movie kind of just came and went, didn't it? It did, because no one saw Unfortunately, it. Unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah. it literally went. <laughs> well, I didn't see it, and I'm not positive that I want to, but please eh, one, I guess, right? No, you it's, should see it. <laughs> it's worth watching. It's yeah. it's it's like creative, even if it's not perfect. It's 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 worth it, I think. Okay. Well that's that's a good sign. Well, we have lots of stuff on the website, uh, so make sure to check out sifpop.com to keep up with all that, all the articles that we've mentioned. Um on the podcast today, though, we're going to talk about some coming attractions. We got four movies that are premiering this week that seem to be worth talking about. So we're going to do that. And then we'll explore our SIF topic, which is talking about a potential goat. We have Harakiri this week. Uh, and then we'll explore the B-plot answering a question that Foster sent. And we'll wrap up with a spinoff quick recommend or warn from each one of us. But first, let's get a chance to know our writers this week. Foster, Robert, you guys have both been on the show before. So we've gotten a chance to ask you kind of the, the base questions. And Robert, you're on every month. So I'm just constantly trying to find new things to ask you. Um, I want to know we're, we're kind of at the halfway point of house of the dragon. And I, I would assume, I don't know, ring, rings of power. I don't know how long the season is supposed to be and how many episodes are currently out, but it feels like kind of the halfway point for each of these first seasons, right? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. For rings of power. I think it's only eight. Yep. Okay. And rings of power and house of the dragon is supposed to be 10. And I think six premiered, um, this like earlier this week, which I haven't seen episode six. So 
Um, that's fine. We're not going to spoil either of these shows, by the way. Uh, but I just wanted to gauge your general thoughts on these two things, since Robert is never on to talk about TV and Foster isn't this month. So um, <laughs> isn't this cycle. So I figured, you know what? Let's just get some quick halfway points, halfway thoughts on House of the Dragon and Rings of Power. Who wants to start? Uh, are you guys both watching both? I am only watching Rings of Power. I haven't started House of the Dragon yet. I am only watching House of Power, House of the Dragon. I haven't started Rings of Power yet. <laughs> House of Power. <laughs> House of Power. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching Rings of the Dragon, so yeah. Nice. Yeah, um, that means both. Nice. Well, I guess we should probably kick it off. Why, why don't you guys talk about Rings of Power, and then we'll let Foster take a seat <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> sure. I'll um, take a seat. So, okay, Rings of Power. This this one is so complicated because re- really what it what it boils down to is I want so badly to like it because it has so much potential and there's so much that is cool about it. And there are some great cast members. And I think you can tell like everyone involved really wants to do a great job. Um, But it's just like, it's not the Lord of the Rings. And there are just little things about it where I look at it and I think to myself, it's so close to being something like really, really special and really amazing. It's just not quite there yet. Um, But there's some things I love about it. Like I like, I'd say they're like half the cast members I think are really, really great. Um, the visuals are amazing. The like the makeup effects on the orcs and stuff looks looks awesome. Um, and I think like the more you read about about the Lord of the Rings history and stuff, there's just there's a lot of cool story potential I think for the next few seasons. And it's clear they're taking their time to to set it up. And so it's just it is really exciting. And it's kind of frustrating because there are so many people who are like wanting to hate the show either because it's you know produced by Amazon or or if you're like part of the crazy vocal minority who's upset that there are black hobbits or whatever it's it's frustrating because it's like you want to defend the show against stuff like that but it's like it's just not quite there i also i like the music too i've been listening to the score a lot so it's another good thing about it robert what do you think (laughs) uh it seems like i'm just slightly higher than you though i was thinking about it earlier and I was struggling. <laughs> I was struggling to come up with something that I'm really enjoying about the show um, because I, I'll second your little preamble where it's like, I really, really want to love it. And I want it to succeed because of the same reasons that you said, because of like the people who were unfairly criticizing it, like no one, no one went after a show because of Amazon for like the boys or invincible or the expanse or any other show that <laughs> Amazon has produced. But all of a sudden now that it's Lord of the Rings, it's like Amazon can't make anything good. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, and far be it for me to defend Amazon. Um, <laughs> and the, the black hobbits thing, that's just total bogus. Like that's not even worth giving any more time to than what we've already said. Um, I, so I mentioned last month, I think, that I got to see the first two episodes uh, on the big screen mm-hmm. um, because they did did little uh, premieres. And while I don't think those two episodes, um, while I don't think they're the height of storytelling in the show so far, I do think that they're the height of filmmaking and mm. tone creating um, and world building. I don't think that the was it three episodes since because J.A. Biona directed those two and he has, uh, he's left the series since then. He, he, who's only hired to direct the first. Right. Episode. right. He's, he didn't leave the series. He, he right, did his contract. But, <laughs> right. Uh, but there's a noticeable different difference since he left. Um, and I think that's my biggest hang up with it because 
it at least felt like it had a voice. It at least felt like it had a unique perspective in the first two episodes and a unique feel. Um, since then, it's had its moments, and I'm still watching it. And I'm uh, I've been <laughs> watching them at 12 a.m. Eastern uh, Thursday nights, right when they premiere, because I don't want them to get spoiled. Um, but I don't. I, I just don't think they have that same feel as as when it started out. Like this isn't even comparing it to other shows or the Lord of the Rings trilogy itself. It's just like, it just feels very mainstream basic in the way that it's, uh, in the way that it's presented. Um, like there are scenes when two characters are arguing of whether or not they should go down the hill and oops, they trip and they fell down the hill. So I guess that solves that. Or like someone's looking at something secret and it's important to look at everything on it before it goes away oops, he got it too close to the fire and it, and it burned up. And it's like, that's the most basic and boring type of tropes there could be. And it's really frustrating. Um, but there are a lot of good things, including the visuals, including, uh, like Foster said, the music. I haven't stopped listening to it either. Um, I just wish the story was a bit more engaging. And even the writing for some of the characters, because I, I was watching a, a video from Wired, like they did one of those, they're, Google search videos on YouTube uh, with six of the cast members. And I saw more personality in that five minute video from those six cast members that I've been <laughs> able to see in five episodes of the show. And okay. I don't think it's their fault because I think they're charismatic. And I think, uh, and these people obviously very much care about Tolkien and, and the story. I just don't think they're being given enough. They're being, the show is being pulled in too many different directions right now. Here's, my here's the part where my curious mind comes in because they Amazon has ordered this for five seasons. Uh, yeah, I mean they can terminate it at any moment, but the plan is five seasons. Um, how much of that is the showrunners were told you're getting five seasons, and so they're actually making a five season arc as opposed to five single season arcs? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's the former. Um... Yeah, I I think they know they're in it for the long run. So so, so it, it's one of those that doesn't quite look. It's one of those that we'll look back on and we'll be like, oh yeah, no, that was that did exactly what it needed to do, right? You could, and Foster, you can <laughs> chime in if you want. Uh, I just think the way that like some of it is just too simple is my thing. It's like you're they're trying to tell a grand story and visually and sonically, it's grand. Um, and the characters keep saying it's grand. <laughs> it just doesn't really feel grand based on what's happening. Okay. Yeah. For, for, for me, the way I'm feeling is like the the last couple episodes of this season better be really, really good. Otherwise, it's right. going to feel like a whole lot of setup for pretty much no payoff. Um, I will say that there are a couple characters, one in, one in particular, or two in particular, I'll say, that I think are really pretty perfect i think doran the dwarf mm -hmm. is perfect i think that guy is awesome and i'm also really 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 liking elrond i was not sold on him in the first episode or two but especially him and doran together that relationship every every moment of that i love um but yeah it's it's just like you're gonna have to wait and see but like yeah like in the first couple episodes there's such cool images like there's this one shot of sauron that like sweeps up and you see him and it's like one of the coolest things i've ever seen in my life and so i think to myself like clearly they have the potential to do really awesome stuff in this show and we know of course like the amount of lore that they have to pull from from tolkien like they could do great things going forward it's just like we're kind of in limbo here until it actually happens if that makes sense okay yeah my sure. main problem the last thing i'll add is that there are maybe four or five disparate storylines that 
presumably will come together, whether in this season or in coming seasons. But again, it's trying to tell this grand story. But each of them, each of those storylines, when it cuts to them, it's like five to eight minutes at a time. And it's just like a quick conversation and not like anything bigger happening. And I like the quick conversations, but then they just cut from quick conversation to quick conversation. And it just makes the whole thing feel stagnant. Sure. Um, and I just like, there are some that I'm really liking, like Foster said, the Durin and Elrond stuff is really good. And a lot of the Numenor stuff I'm really enjoying too. Um, it's just, they're not given enough time to really be fleshed out and understand what's going on. Okay. Yeah, like L- Lord, Lord of the Rings starts with, with your main couple characters and it gradually adds more, but this is, I completely agree. It's like it cuts back and forth between people who've never met each other. Right. It like, it like feels like a TV show in that way. Um, okay. So it's hard to connect. That gives and me- that works like in the beginning of game of Thrones, but that's because like the opening Winterfell sequence is like 15 minutes. And then you cut to Daenerys for 20 minutes and you like really understand why it matters. And uh, you get to get the feel of the whole thing, but you're not really getting that here. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I, um, I guess that's a good segue then uh, for game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, good job, Robert way to just lob that up for me. And then to, for me to call it out and then swing. Um. I'm here to please. <laughs> So now, Foster, this comes to the point where you get to ask questions, I guess, if you want. But I'll, I'll kick us, I'll kick us off. Um, I'm really, really, really enjoying House of the Dragon. So, um, I, I have, I have some problems with it, but ultimately, like, I turned to my wife at the end of last week's episode, um, which I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there are that this season takes place over a significant chunk of time. Um, already, these first six episodes, like, so much so that they're having two different actors portray the lead characters. Um, and so I think the season that premiered this, the episode that premiered this week, which I haven't seen yet, um, has, um, has the switch. So, um, which I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause that feels like a season to season change. That feels like a, you should make that switch between season one and two. But so I, I wonder, like part of me thinks maybe they went into this, um, this show with a mindset of miniseries and then it was wildly popular. Like maybe HBO was hesitant because the last couple seasons of game of Thrones, um and so they only like they're like well make a mini series and we can always fudge something and make it you know longer if we want and it's it was renewed for season two already and i just don't really feel like this is meant for a season two unless the thing that me and my wife are talking about well unless my thought was unless we were talking about if it's an anthology series like if season one is kind of the renera and um damon like conflict and then season two can be the next Lannister or um, Targaryen on the throne like there's plenty of time they can cover up until the premiere of Game of Thrones but I don't I don't know that I necessarily feel if there's a lot of like things they've set up that haven't paid off yet like it, it really is just this tension of this one thing that I, I feel like they're gonna get to very quickly because we're halfway through the season like they have so much t- more time to work with so I, I'm all for if they want to do like an anthology series it's called House of the Dragon so like it could be entirely about the Targaryens um you know just season two is is the next generation you know um and then season three is the next generation after that like they could do that for four or five it's what what 300 years something like that i don't remember it's something it it is based on a it's based on a book though right the fire and blood book so yeah i don't know anything do we know how much of that it's covered maybe like maybe that lies the answer (laughs) (laughs) no like there's a lot more to cover because like I don't know if it's a spoiler, but like 
Well, yeah, you know it if you have seen Game of Thrones, but like it covers the downfall of the Targaryen house. Like that's what the what? show is supposed to be. <laughs> you have ruined the show. <laughs> no, but I mean, I just, yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm wondering like, there's no way, again, because I think you could do that with with this kind of season starting an anthology. And then again, like if the next season is, let's say, Rhaenyra's child or whoever, whoever's the next heir to the throne. Um, like, I, like, I feel like that is a way you could do that because it's, it's the, the downfall of the Targaryens over the course of several generations. And then you could even, if you really wanted to lead it up to, you know, the very last, the finale is Jamie Lannister kills the Mad King if you want. Um, so it just, it's just one of those that seems I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated because I don't quite know that they were intending for a full, for a, like more than one season. At this I'm, current, point. I'm sure they were. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sure they were too. But like, sure I don't know. I, 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 part of it too is I really like these young actors that they have. I think they're doing a great job, and I'm not ready to make the switch to old, older actors, um, especially for the Renera because I really like her. Um, so, um, so I mean, the, the thing, the I mean, the other thing that I really wanted to say is that I'm ultimately overall liking this more than Game of Thrones so far. And part of that is because of the the reputation, like the taste in the mouth that the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones left me with, I, which wasn't anywhere near as sour as everybody else. But partly because the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, to me, were so slow because there was so much world building to do. Whereas House of Dragon gets to kind of run because we don't need to be introduced to everything again. We've already had all the world building done. This is a show meant for people that have seen Game of Thrones. So, um, so like I, to me, it's just it's starting off like when Game of Thrones was was in season three or four, like when it was already like, all right, now they can start to run. We're just kind of starting there. So for me, I'm massively more entertained and enjoying the show more than I was Game of Thrones overall. That's not saying it's a better show. That's not saying it has better moments or anything like that. It's just my experience so far is more positive. Well, I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> um, what, Game of Thrones one through like five or six or whatever is like, just like anyone else, if it had continued on that plane of quality, then... It would officially be my favorite show, but we it all know that. It took me until the went. Red Wedding to really get invested. Like, okay, so uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I am not the normal, right? Like, I'm I'm willing to understand, and yeah, my favorite okay, Game wrong. of Thrones season was six. So six is where you can tell it's, it starts feeling like they're not taking dialogue from the books, and all of a sudden the writers like the dialogue sounds like modern Hollywood. But that's a different show. <laughs> um, and House of the Dragon. Um, I'm sorry to say I have to zag on it and I'm it. I really, really liked the first couple episodes, but it's quickly gone downhill for me. I also haven't seen the latest episode. Um, the last one I saw was the last one with the younger actors. Um, <laughs> there's our fourth guest. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So far to me, this feels like melodramatic soap opera in Westeros and it just hasn't been for me. <laughs> Uh, the first couple episodes, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I think it was from episode two to three. There was like a two year time jump between the two of them. Yeah. And when we got to episode three, the character relationships had barely changed and nothing had changed. And it was like, so what, what was the point of the time jump just because they need to be older? Like what is going on here? I I definitely feel that like, you're not wrong. (laughs) Like, I don't have a problem inherently with time jumps and, but that last episode, whatever, again, whatever the last one was with the younger uh, actors, it started to really frustrate me with just like, oh, 
she likes him, but she has to get married to this guy and he likes this guy instead. It's just like, it doesn't have the same political intrigue that Game of Thrones had um, with the backdrop of character drama. It's just character drama. And that's what's really been throwing me for a loop. Um, And unless this new one with the actor change is really like, unless it really grabs me, I will honestly probably just start tuning out and just not and just be done because it's not for me and that's fine um game of thrones was and so far house of the dragon has fallen off quickly okay that's fine we can agree to disagree and uh still be friends i think um so it'll be interesting. i know I'm, I'm in the minority because like on twitter i it, people are going crazy after every episode just talking about every little moment and then i can barely find the same thing for rings of power. And I'm just like, I want people to be talking about rings of power so I can have that kind of, interaction. I'm not, I'm not there. Like I'm not that, I don't really see anybody reacting to house of the dragon on Twitter. Um, so, but I'm definitely not the kind of person like I, I, I don't think this is one of the best shows on TV right now. Um, I, I just, I really, en- I'm enjoying it. It's got great entertainment value and it's got great, um, like, like lots of like actors who are, are going to be people someday, you know? Um, right like and and lots of people that like i just i really like this version of matt smith you know he's he's channeling his Mm -hmm. he's just weird he did doctor who and then he's just like i'm just gonna be really evil people from now on um so um yeah it's it's just uh it's it's something that i i'm not wanting to shout it from the rooftops like i am ted lasso or barry or under the banner of heaven or anything like that but like i'm just i'm really liking the show so anyway the biggest draw for both of these is the name. Like if I like if, if Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones didn't exist and there's just these new two fantasy shows, I'd watch a couple episodes and be like, all right, that's fine. But I'm going to go watch what we do in the shadows <laughs> instead or something like that. <laughs> sure. Which is the best fantasy show of the three that have been mentioned so far. So, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Anyway. All right. Well, we should uh, move on then. I think we've spent a good amount of time talking about the shows. Uh, but before we do, I have to know one random question, not pop culture related for you at all. What is your favorite, your go-to fast food restaurant? I try to avoid fast food as much as possible, <laughs> um, but I would have to say Chick-fil-A probably. Nice. They've got great food. Great food. That's the one yep. compliment I have for them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm I'm a super picky person, but just kind of I guess by coincidence where I happen to pop into most because there are a lot of them near me is Five Guys. Mm. Five Guys also great food. I think man as well. I don't know. <laughs> They're not bad people at the top, so that's at least something. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Robert and say Chick Fil A on this one. I just I, I think they have great food, and it's I live very close to one, so that does not help me. And yeah. it's. I'm not trying to say their food is healthy, but comparatively, it's like comparatively, it's it's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like comparatively, like to McDonald's or Burger King or like it's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I I get the salad when I go to Chick Fil A, so like, does that count? It's probably your best bet, but still, <laughs> <laughs> I get a salad and I get some extra nuggies because extra I'm nuggies. <laughs> and I just I'm sorry, people that are. Raising Cane's lover, but everything is worse about Raising Cane's um, than Chick Fil A. Everything their their sauce is inferior. Their chicken is inferior. Their sweet tea is great, but so is Chick Fil A's. I just pe- that's a big debate out here. 
Is this a Chick-fil-A. Midwest thing? Is raising, is raising canes not out there? Okay. No. <laughs> we like just got raising canes in my neck of the woods, but it's 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 been like slowly like it's it's another like fast food chicken place. Although they literally only have tenders, um, and then coleslaw and fries. Like that's it. You you right. go and there's four options on the menu, and it's just how many tenders do you want? Like, <laughs> um, so I mean, it's it, not too different than Five Guys, which is burgers and fries but they have a lot of customization to that like it's like it's like no you get tenders with our sauce and fries and and a piece of of texas toast with it and then that and coleslaw and like that's it like you get you get a you have four options of how much of that you want and then what do you want to drink sweet tea cool anyway can i customize sure how many do you want (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's anyway uh, but it's it's like a big thing out here because you know you got two fast food chicken chains. Um, Kane's just isn't good. I'm sorry, like, it's fine. It's just not great. Anyway, on the next episode, you tell him. <laughs> I will tell him. I Aaron, will. Aaron rants about niche <laughs> fast food restaurants. Look, look, look! I think I weigh both of you combined, so I think I have the most authority. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. It's just about yeah, it means I get twice as many votes in the food categories. What that means? <laughs> okay, okay. We, we measure votes by pounds here. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Look what you've created. <laughs> well, you've done uh, that yourself. <laughs> we should You're the one that uh, asked about, the question. I know. <laughs> we should probably talk about some more movies then, uh, before it's just. Oh, oh is this longer. a movie podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about um, four movies. Since it was already mentioned, I'm going to go ahead and say we'll talk about The Greatest Beer in Ever first. Uh, so this is a new Apple TV Plus film uh, coming out in select theaters and streaming on the 30th, coming out later this week. Uh, let's see, uh, new Peter Farley film, um, directed, co-written by him. Um, are you laughing at me? No. Um, I was just like, is it Farrelly? Or is it... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's Farrelly, but I wasn't laughing at you. <laughs> Uh, let's see, starring Zac Efron and Russell Crowe, uh, a couple of other people in there. Uh, obviously, Bill Murray. Um, he's not just another person, obviously. but like Russell Crowe and and Zac Efron are the leads here. And then there's a, a decent supporting cast. Uh, so, uh, greatest beer run ever: a, sto- a man's story of leaving New York in 1967 to bring beer to his childhood buddies in the army while they're fighting in Vietnam. Uh, based on a true story, by the way. Um, so that's always a, a fun fact um w- with movies like this um so robert you already mentioned you're doing the review on it so i think i kind of have an inkling of where you're going so foster uh what do you how excited are you for greatest beer run ever uh are we, if this is only theaters if schedule budget none of that's an issue are you going to check it out in theaters are you going to wait till you can rent it at home wait till it's on the streaming service you already pay for are you just not interested uh i'm not interested in this uh wow for for one, the reviews are out and are uh, kind of terrible. <laughs> it's got like a thirty five Metacritic, I think, and like in the thirties for Rotten Tomatoes too, which doesn't bode well. I've seen some people say it's like kind of nice. Um, and by by the way, this is the follow up to to Green Book, which won Best Picture. So yeah, uh, not not great to have that kind of reception. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I I don't know. This gives me vibes of like everyone's dad is going to love this movie. And like, I feel like conversationally <laughs> non-movie people are going to be like, you know, what's great. That greatest beer run movie. That was good. But like in movie critic circles, everyone's going to be like, the movie was uh, not, not high quality. The cinematography was poor, but it's like your average person on the street is going to love it is, is the vibe I get, but I don't really care. 
sorry. <laughs> you know what I want now, Foster? I need you to do a one-person podcast where you do d- different voices for all the different types of people watching movies. Okay. okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, right over wherever. Robert, what do you think? So you might think that I was at the highest anticipation level based on the fact that I uh, claimed the review. but That's exactly what I thought. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, the last person I or last time I spoke to Foster face to face, he nerfed oh my A twenty four bracket. <laughs> so I shouldn't be talking to him anymore. Uh, anyway. Um he's just continuing. Yeah, I, do, right I just now. log off the call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we're way off track again. Um <laughs> regarding the beer run movie. Um the main reason that I the main reason that I uh it's just never a sentence I thought I'd hear anybody say <laughs> regarding the beer run movie. Very serious. <laughs> Keep going. Everybody's um, dad's favorite sentence. Exactly. Regarding the, the regarding the beer run movie. Uh, mm, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so tired. <laughs> Keep going. I'll shut up. As I was saying, I'll start with a different sentence. Uh, I chose. I I, I claimed the review because no one. Out of all of our writers, no one requested the review, and I saw it sitting there open, and I was like, oh, the follow-up movie from the guy who won Best Picture and Best Screenplay last time he made a major motion picture, starring a fairly popular actor, uh, Zac Efron, and then like a very storied actor named Russell Crowe. Uh, so that's why I picked up the review, even though the the movie itself didn't look particularly interesting. So if I wasn't writing the review, I'd probably be down in streaming. Um but if we're going literally, I'm in theaters, of course. Right. I can't wait to see this thing. <laughs> Are you actually going to go see it in a theater, or just because it's? Oh no, I, I just didn't know. That, I mean, that's I... your. That's your. <laughs> Robert uh, is in the front row spectrum. as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to wrap this up in like twenty minutes because then the opening credits are going to start <laughs> for the trailer. We got, we got that Nicole Kidman AMC Nicole promo, Kidman's which is ad is going <laughs> ten minutes long. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I. Somehow I think the beer I'll be, tastes good at a place like this. I think we'll be higher than both of you, but not like super high. Uh, just I, I'm gonna go with the rent at home. Um, just in terms of anticipation level, because I like these kind of movies. Um, I I really like uh, like this kind of reminds me of like tag like these like i like these yeah. like ridiculous true stories and tag is a movie that i really like you can watch you can read an article i wrote about what tag can you read about it <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like i i like these like kind of silly absurd stories and again when they're like actually based off a true story like those just kind of add extra levels um I haven't seen all of Apple TV's Plus's catalog, but I feel like there's a consensus that they don't really have a miss quite yet. Um, a lot, like a you lot of like things cherry. have been. Oh, that's yeah, true. Hated cherry. cherry. All right. Well, they had a one big miss, but everything else like is typically, even if I haven't seen it, it's typically like really well regarded, um, both TV and movies. You're right. Um, yeah. So um, I, I, I think that bodes well for it. Um, I, I don't. I. This isn't gonna be a best picture nominee or anything like that, but like I am more average moviegoer type, like Foster was describing your average random sh- random movie watcher on the screen, <laughs> than I am, than I am like yeah, you know the w- wants to watch all the indies or the you know be be a, a snob or anything like that or you know thinking even back, that invested. was a great impression. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just. I, I'm I'm because I'm here for the high art stuff, but I'm also here for you know jackass 
4.5 and <laughs> all that stuff. So, um, you know, it just, I just want a movie to, to make me feel good um, or sometimes make me feel bad. Um, depending on the context, I, don't know, I just I think this could be an enjoyable time. I, I'm not over the moon about it. Um, I, I love Russell Crowe. I love Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. I really like Zac Efron, and uh, you know that's that's enough to get me there. I still haven't seen Green Book, which I know I should, but eh. uh, <laughs> you know, um, Fat Aragorn. It's true. Oh man, he was macking on that pizza. He took a whole pizza <laughs> from the box, like uncut, and was was chomping into it. I've never forgotten that. <laughs> in bed, in his underwear. <laughs> That's how I want to go. Iconic anyway, I'd, I'd rather watch. Hey, did you all scene. know his character was Italian? I don't. What's your Italian accent, Fox? Let's do it. The movie was too subtle for me. I couldn't really pick up on that on that finer detail. Foster's unhinged tonight, and I. I am. I couldn't pick up on any of the themes of that movie either. I don't know. Like, was it about racism? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, well, we know that it's not a, a, a movie musical that you know harkens back to the early days of Hollywood cinema. Um, Is that La La Land? I, the joke fell apart. I was just like, I can make, I can't make a Green Book reference because I haven't seen it, but I, I can make a La La Land joke, right? <laughs> and no, I can't. <laughs> I can try. Not That's about it. Anyway, uh, are we are we done with greatest show in a long time? It's it's the best, but it's certainly not like on topic. <laughs> right, um, are we done with greatest beer run ever? It's called I, the I high think... art beer run film. The high art mm. beer run film, right? AKA That's right. Cinema. Mm. Sure, Martin Scorsese says he would love this movie. Yes, Foster. Which one would you like to talk about next? Oh, let's do Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, I'll just start and say that I have not seen the first one, so I don't really plan on watching this one. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it. <laughs> Three young women accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to, moder- to modern day Salem and must figure out how to stop the child hungry, which is from wreaking havoc on the world. Yes, this is one of those like revitalized because people love something from their childhood. And this would make tons of money, but it's going straight to Disney Plus for some reason. I don't know. Um but they don't pay me because to I make think those it's a niche. It's a niche nostalgia. I, I don't, it's not like I don't know a new Star Wars movie or something. No, this wouldn't make a billion dollars at the box office or anything like that. But this, this, I think this would make a killing. I think this would make more. This would easily be the number one movie at the box office this weekend. Um, out, out of the ones, that, oh. yeah, I think so. We'll I, think, I, think, I think Hocus Pocus two would easily be the the biggest box office return for this weekend. Um, I think it would be in third. Smile is a new horror movie at the beginning of spooky season, and Bros is a studio romantic comedy in theaters. But so Hocus Pocus has that nostalgia, but it's also like it's recent nostalgia. Like this isn't like they're remaking movie from like you know the sixties or eighties or whatever. Like this is like you know like people that are our age like should have nostalgia for this movie, um, or have have more nostalgia for this movie, and like you know. There's, Wasn't it like a Disney Channel original? No, it was a okay. No, it was a yeah, 1993, and it was a um, it was a like full feature length film, and not in like in theaters and all that. So, um, and it's stood. It's I don't want to say it's stood the test of time because I haven't seen the movie in forever, so I don't know whether it's actually good or not. Um, but I mean, like it's it's been a pop culture icon for a while. So um, that's it's also all that the only said. one of these. Oh, it's yeah, it's also the only one of these four that 
kids can watch. So that that alone. I mean, kids can we'll watch the others, but oh, you mean that it has a PG thirteen rate or PG rating? Not yeah, of, like of a, the four movies in theaters. So it. like, I don't I don't know how many kids are interested in the greatest beer run ever or, or Smile. <laughs> um, but Bros definitely. Bros, of course, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't. I don't have any nostalgia for the first one, and this just isn't going to be very high on my anticipation level. Mostly because that's I'll go streaming. Um, I'll I'll probably wind up checking out like the Hocus Pocus and then this one at some point, especially if the reviews are good. But I'm not necessarily excited. What about you, Robert? Well, I think I've done a good job of extending this part of the conversation a bit, seeing as I've never seen the original Hocus Pocus <laughs> either, and I have absolutely no intention of watching either one of them. So. Okay, uh, then... Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> For Take anyone who tuned in this morning to hear us talk about Hocus Pocus, I apologize. <laughs> I don't. Suck it, Bette Midler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bette Midler conveniently was listening to this podcast. Randomly kissing. She's like, I want to know what those random three guys... <laughs> thought about that should be in the right age demographic for this movie are thinking about hocus pocus too and we're all like we don't care (laughs) great we haven't seen your first movie i've seen it like i said it's just been you know easily 20 years for me um so anyway bros or smile let's talk about bros let's talk about bros well yeah (laughs) let's do it (laughs) and then we can talk about the movie afterwards (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 synopsis for IDB simply says two men with commitment problems attempt a relationship. Um, that's specific. Um, it also says plot keywords is bare chested male. So <laughs> good old reliable IMDb. Anyway, um, directed by Nicholas Stoller, written by Nicholas Stoller and Bill, Billy Eichner, uh, starring uh, Luke McFarlane, Billy Eichner, uh, Kristen Chenoweth, uh, and a good amount of other people. Jim Rash, the dean from uh, Community. Oh, Deborah he's Messing, so Amy Schumer. Keenan Thompson uh, in the IMDb cast listing. Um, yeah, lots of, uh, lots of recognizable names and recognizable faces. Uh, bros. Uh, Robert, let's start with you. How excited are you for this movie? I legitimately can't wait for this. And I'm not doing a bit like I'm super excited to watch this. I tweeted out last time I saw or not the last time because I've seen it a lot. I tweeted out recently when I saw the trailer for it, uh, watching a different movie in theaters, that every time I see the trailer, I get more and more excited. Uh, And that continues to be true. Every joke lands um, and it really doesn't seem like it's doing the thing where every uh, joke is in the trailer because every joke in the trailer is good. And they're not like they don't seem like the pull quotes for the or the pull jokes for the trailer, you know. Sure. I I yeah, I'm really excited to watch this one. Nice, Foster. Uh, I'm also really excited. Uh, theaters would be the anticipation level, also because it just had its premiere, and everyone says this is like the best studio comedy in years. Is the praise I'm hearing, which is kind of exciting, and I love Billy Eichner, so I'm I'm also yeah. really looking forward to it. I also really like Billy Eichner. Um, the trailer didn't quite do it for me, uh, but everything about this movie does. Um, and maybe it'll be one of those experiences like the next time I see the trailer, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that really is doing it for me. But I feel like this looks like it's marketed as a comedy, but like not like if this movie were made 10 years ago, it would be a very, very different movie. It would be more along the lines of like, you know, the hangover and blockers and, and all that stuff. But like, this looks like a comedy. Blockers, the famously three-year-old movie. 
Is it really only three years old? I think it came out in like 2018. I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> anyway, either like this, this 10 years ago would be a significantly more like it, it, this movie would be offensive 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's coming out now, so. But I mean, like uh, the people behind it, I feel like, you know, um, are, are going to have what they want. Are are gonna be are gonna be able to handle it the way they want, as opposed to studios, you know, take making the jokes that they want to make or the jokes that sell tickets or whatever. Um, just saying, uh, this this looks like this looks like a movie that is going to be like I want to say adult comedy in a way, but like not adult comedy in the way that you might think. Because I think adult comedy, and I think of like the movie like American Pie, like you know, high school comedies. Um, but like this looks like a comedy made for people. That are you know past that maturity level of high school and college. What? School what are you laughing at? Populated with adults. I know. <laughs> no, but I mean, like when you th- when I, I say adults, yeah, right. Like you think of the when movie, I think oh, of like, films for adults, I think of American Pie. <laughs> shut up. Uh, no. <laughs> no, just adult has that like dirty connotation, you know. Um, yes. In terms of film, but yeah, it's uh. I, I'm also excited for this one, just not as much as you guys. I'll stick in the high side of rent or the low side of theaters. Either way, I'll be checking this out pretty soon because um, Shane wanted me to watch this for the <laughs> Patreon exclusive for the month. So if you want to hear my thoughts on Bros, check over Patreon in a week or so. Um, anyway, there's that. Yeah. Well, my I like, will I like Billy Eichner. Yeah, Billy Eichner is great. Yeah, I feel um, like there's a lot of people that don't like him, and I'm like, why? Just because he was in well, Lion King, like. <laughs> Well, he has a very specific thing, which yeah. is oftentimes obnoxious. And if loud flamboyance in your face is a turnoff, then I can get it. He was understand. one of the he was one of the highlights of the later seasons of Parks and Rec, and oh, I, I loved mm-hmm. his addition. Yeah, yeah. And then I love scrolling on TikTok and finding his like Billy on the Street stuff. I think that's a fun time. Name a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You were saying, uh, Robert? Yeah, uh, my wife will come to a movie with me. Maybe on average, like one and a half times a month. Um, but in the last, she leaves halfway through one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, over the course of about two weeks, she will have come three times uh, to see see how they run. Don't worry, darling. And then bros, uh, we're talking about. So far, she's one for two because we didn't like uh, see how they run, but she liked. Don't worry, darling. So this is like the perfect type of movie. Uh, for us to go see together like this is like the perfect date night movie the perfect just or it should be at least go out and hang out and just have a lot of fun and laugh a lot have your uh not layered at all message about opening yourself up or whatever just like being open to a new relationship even if it doesn't seem like it's going to be right for you whatever i i can probably predict every beat in the movie but it doesn't matter because i'm looking forward to what the jokes are going to be um yeah that's i'm and I'm just so that, sad that you didn't like see how they run. That's that's what I got good. from that. <laughs> there's there's a joke in the trailer for this where the dean says, "I'm just going to call him a dean." Where yeah, he says, like, dean. in his signature way, he's like, "It's Bisexual Awareness Month, and no one has made a big deal about it for me." It's just like <laughs> his unique way of delivering lines. I just crack up every time. Have you seen? He won an Oscar for um, the Descendants because he's yeah. one of the screenwriters. In his Oscar speech, he's just like posing with his Oscar in the, the most the most funny ways. <laughs> I recommend looking it up. I gotta nice. watch that now. Uh, any other thoughts on Bros? Or are we good? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm recording a podcast with a couple of good Bros right now. But besides that, mm. nice. 
What's the podcast about? I hear it's supposed to be about movies, but we're talking about movies. Want to talk about food <laughs> and Bette Midler for some reason? <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, so lastly, we have Smile. Uh, after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts uh, experiencing frightening occurrences that, sh- that she can't explain. Rose must confront her trouble, troubling past in order to survive and escape her for- horrifying new, out- new reality. Written and directed by Parker Finn. Um, starring, I don't I don't recognize any of these people. Uh, looks like Cal Penn's in the list, but I don't remember him from the trailer. He's like Judy a therapist from or something. Uh, yeah, I, okay. Um, I've also seen this so. trailer a hundred times. Yeah, I've seen it a hundred times, but I can't remember anything about the, about like some of the like I remember some of the image images, but like not necessarily like oh yeah, Cal Penn was in there, you know. Um, anyway, I'll kick us off because that content that that comment might surprise you to say that I'm really excited for Smile. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I'm, I would definitely go see this uh, in the theaters, uh, especially like on a discount night. I'm. Uh, it just it just looks stupid and like a good kind of stupid. Uh, so that's that's my take. Foster, you're the you're the residential horror fan of the three of us. What what is your take on Smile? Okay, so the first time I saw this trailer, I was like, this is really stupid. But every time since that I've seen the trailer, that ending little jump scare in the car window gets yep. like half the people in my theater, and it is so fun because I just like <laughs> wait for the reactions. And after seeing it. it like 500 times that trailer i'm kind of excited for it now and yeah I, it, it, I, it grows I, on me <laughs> yeah i want to see it in theaters too and and like here's the thing i'm seeing some like strangely good buzz for it I, like see robert cargill who's the works with scott derrickson said on mm-hmm. twitter that this is like genuine scary not even as a joke like it's just like a genuinely good movie and like some of the other early reactions are weirdly positive so i'm kind of excited i think it looks like fun I'm just saying that 2022 has been so far just hit after hit after hit for horror movies. Um, you know, I, I've really liked all the 2022 horror movies I've seen so far. Um, so, yeah. Robert, what do you think? This movie looks scary. <laughs> I don't like scary. <laughs> <laughs> scary. Um, the thing is, like, I, I do the creepy smile thing just to be creepy because I think it's creepy. <laughs> like I do it just to my wife okay. as a joke. I should, I should clarify Like I'll just like okay. look at her just with a creepy smile. Robert's just sitting is. alone in his room smiling. <laughs> He's been, I was wondering what you're doing this whole podcast. <laughs> so it was, was really starting weird. to weird me out, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> but in seriousness, like the, I just, it just freaks me out. I don't know why. But just like seeing those random smiles of the unmoving people, like there people were doing this as a promo for the film, like in the stands at baseball games. I saw that this past weekend, and somewhere else in public. I don't remember. Oh, like like in the crowd, like behind the Good Morning America people or something like that. There were just people wearing shirts that said "Smile," just doing the the smile, and it was freaking me out. <laughs> and it's like I'm just trying to watch baseball, and I was getting scared. Yeah, so, I, I, I saw somebody like talk about that on TikTok and I was like, I was like, that's an amazing marketing campaign. Oh, it like, is. That's, I, yeah. that's awesome. You haven't Maybe. seen that, Foster? There's I, people no, wearing I, like bright yellow shirts that say smile on it and they're just standing behind home plate, just looking right at the camera behind the pitcher's mountain, smiling. Like, Yeah, I'm not enough of a sports person to even know that, but that's kind of crazy. Uh, also, I'll say the actors in the trailer are really good. Like the, the people doing the smiles are are like legit creepy like the one that stands out to me it's she plays um carrie ann moss's 
ex-wife they're getting a divorce in Jessica Jones she she yeah. has this moment where she like smiles really creepily and it's like it's so unnatural it doesn't feel like an actor smiling it feels like someone forced to smile against their will it's like it's like yeah. it's it's really good acting I think so I don't know I'm kind of excited weirdly Here's the for thing. smile I can't like we're talking about seeing the trailers for these movies a hundred times. I always look away when this trailer comes up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm always watching the Bros trailer. Like, I just, a- it's for some reason it's creepy. Maybe I'll rent it, or if it comes to streaming, I'll watch it at like 11 a.m. on a Saturday or something. But if like if the reviews are that good, like I have tickets to go see uh, Barbarian tomorrow, and I'm <laughs> I'm like psyching myself out because of Austin wrote the <laughs> review and and they wrote just how freaking scary this movie is, and I'm just like. But I want to see if it's that good. <laughs> Fair. I really liked Barbarian. It's a. I thought it was a fun time. <laughs> Is it scary? It's um. There, there's sc- there's scary things in it. I don't even want to say anymore. I. Oh, yeah. uh, nice. Uh, there you go. There's our talk on Barbarian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay, Hocus Pocus two, greatest beer and ever, Bros and Smile. There's your your previews. It sounds like Bros is the consensus most excited for this week. Gross, uh, followed gross, by smile gross, and gross. then don't really care about the other two to varying degrees but i would say that's our consensus um so with hocus pocus 2 definitely being in last place um <laughs> Aaron, can i just ask you which horror movies you've really enjoyed this year yeah um do you real conversation uh, since we're already an hour in before we got to the main topic <laughs> sure yeah no um so uh black phone um i really really liked um I think I maybe elevate that a little bit more just because of my love for Scott Derrickson. I'm really excited to rewatch it um, and just see if it holds up because I currently have it at three of the year. Granted, my list is significantly shorter than either of yours. <laughs> um, but my three, four, and five for the year are a black phone, scream, bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, oh, I was and, considering bodies, 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 but that's a good one. And I have um, X at 11. Um, I, have, I mean, I think you could count Nope. But I wasn't a big fan of Nope. I have it at 18. So. Mm-hmm. Did you see Pearl? Not yet. I want to. Okay. Um, Mia Goth is insane. In it. Yeah. She's nuts. She's nuts. Even if you don't like the movie, she's this yeah. is like she should get an Oscar type nuts. It's bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. Which Speaking of course of means smiles. she's not getting nominated <laughs> because that's the way it works. Right. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm really excited. Uh, again, I just, for some reason, the horror movies have really hit this year. I think they're, they're, cl- they're cleverly done. They're really well. I mean, bodies, bodies, bodies is, you know, what it is. Um, it, you know, and I mean, the black phone is the most straightforward of these three horror movies. Um, you know, scream is, is a parody of itself and also an effective horror movie. Um, yeah. Anyway, I thought, I thought black black phone is just really effective, but yeah, I, um, I, I think it's been so far a really good year for horror. And there's, I think still some other stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for Halloween just cause I am, you know, um so the original is still the only the only one i've seen thanks to this podcast nice yeah i'm actually i'm i'm planning on i want to watch all of them before seeing halloween ends so i gotta start because i realize that's like two weeks away so uh i gotta watch like a movie at night binge article he did yeah yeah. i i have really warm memories of doing that so like they're not all good but they really get you in like the halloween fall vibe like there's a whole lot of crunchy leaves and wind and <laughs> other fall things that I like. I just have fond memories of going and zipping through all of those. So I don't yeah. know. I think you'll have fun. I think I will too. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, time we've heard some movie opinions. We've heard uh, some things that you guys want to say. Uh, so now a chance for people to hear more of what you have to say. Foster, what do you want to promote? <laughs> oh, just where people can find me. Yeah. An hour into the show. Wow. 
Letterboxd. <laughs> that's it right now. Just Letterboxd. F-O-S-T-H-1-0-1. Okay. And then Robert? I'm, I thought we were doing physical locations. Uh, no, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, underscore Rob's thoughts. <laughs> My latitude and longitude is. <laughs> yeah, what's your IP address? Um... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, that'll do for that small portion. Fine. Uh, Patreon.com slash SifPopWR. Check it out. Uh, let's talk about Harakiri finally. So um, we talked about this. Uh, uh, we, we, we decided on this. This was up against. Um, what, do you remember what this up, was up against in the bracket? Because this was like really close. Nope. Um, nope. Uh, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I just I, I remember it being really close. Uh, in, in, like in in the voting polls. Um, I, I, was it um, Seventh Seal? Because because um, of like subtitled films. I can try and find it while you talk about something Fair. else if you want. That's a good place, vamp. Anyway, uh, so Harakiri, it was both chosen by us and then, um, you know, confirmed on the Twitter poll. Street, uh, 1954 film streaming on the Criterion channel. Um, when a ronin requesting seppuku at a feudal lord's palace is told of the brutal suicide of another ronin who previously visited, he reveals how their past are intertwined and in so or in doing so challenges the clan's integrity. Some reasons why this might be a go. By the way, not as much history as I would have thought. Um, like, I was... Like no AFI lists, no Oscars, no like not not even like National Film Registry as far as I can find. Well, I didn't um, watch it. I'm joking. <laughs> it's it's got the reputation, but I was just like, wow! Yeah. Like it's it's literally just like it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an eight point six on IMDb, which makes it forty six highest rated film of all time. It has a four point six on Letterboxd of all t- uh, making it the third highest narrative feature film of all time. Um, it received a critical acclaim at Cannes Film Festival, where where it uh, like was making its rounds um, and got and like was not tied for like the top award the year it released. Uh, and then this was on Roger Ebert's great movie list, and there was a Criterion release in 2011. That's kind of all I have, you know. Um, again, surprised that there wasn't as much. So, uh, Robert, what is your history with this movie? Have you seen it before? If not, why were you excited to watch it? Uh. I have seen it uh, yesterday. Um, I had not seen it before. Um, no, I smart ass <laughs> zinger. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, the same. The same reason as always is that I think it was the highest rated movie on IMDb and of course on Letterboxd that I had not seen yet. Mm. So I like to knock off those. Um, otherwise, I knew nothing about it. I did not know Harakiri was the same thing as Seppuku. Which mm-hmm. I the like I knew the latter term, but not the former. So yeah, there's that. Nice. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen it before either. I just I remember one time on Sif Pop Weekly, Andrew used it as his buried treasure and talked really highly mm-hmm. of it. I was like, "That's a movie I want to watch," and put it on my queue, and then bought it for one of the uh, uh, bought it for one of the Criterion sales, and it's been sitting on my shelf mostly mostly because I knew we would talk about it one day on this podcast. Um, cause that was probably right around the time this podcast started. So, um, yep. I finally got around to it, watching it right before we started recording. So great. Um, High which and feels low like forever ago. High and low. Yeah. That, okay. That tracks. Thanks for checking that. Um, so Foster, what's your history with minutes of searching? <laughs> oh, my history. I, so I'd never seen it before. It, same as everybody. It's just, it's so high on like all the lists and everything. And I'd never seen it before and wanted to see it and didn't really know anything about it. 
Nice. Uh, okay, so we're going to give our quick rating. Um, obviously, we'll be spoiling this movie. I don't know that there's really, like, too much. Like, anyway. Um, I'd, I'd say there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's not one of those that I'm just... I, I don't necessarily think this is a movie I would be like, really? Like, make sure you go watch it before you listen to this. Do what you want. Do whatever makes you happy. Um, you know. Spoiler warning one way or another. Spoiler warning either way. Uh, so we'll start off with our like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay. Foster, we'll kick it off with you since you're the guest. Oh, I think I loved it. I thought it was great. Nice. Uh, I will join you. I will be a little less enthusiastic. I will be on the low side of loved it. Um, Robert? Uh, let's just make it a clean little line. I'll say high side of liked it. Nice. Mm, I, linear I thought I was nice. There. Nice. Oh yeah, I Matt thought I was. Here. I'm literally teaching that this week. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Bros. I thought I was on the high side. I liked it, but I think I do like this movie enough that I'm willing to say love it. Just a very unenthusiastic. Um, but I'm the same uh, way. That's why I said like. So there we go. We kind of balance out then. Uh, so Foster, since you liked it the most, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Um, well, I, let's see where, where to even begin. I think, uh, it's just a really well-structured story. Like it's one of the, one of, uh, I'm, I'm tripping over my words. You can't really poke holes in it. Like it's so airtight and it unfolds in such a natural way. And when, when I've thought back on the movie, I think I watched it yesterday. Um, it's just like it, it gets better in my head the more I think about it, even though like it is a little bit slow, um, at, especially in like the first half, like the, the last third. It's just it really comes together and there's some pretty insane imagery. And then also, I would say uh, the lead performance is really, really good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's just his eyes are so expressive. He's funny at parts, too. There, there's like some menace behind there and pain. And uh, it's, it's like the whole spectrum of human emotions. It's a really, really great character, I thought. Um, and I think that the message of the movie by the end really hits home through the lens of that character. So I thought it was great. Nice. Uh, Robert, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I would actually <clears throat> interestingly say the opposite where I was really invested in the first third of the movie. Um, and once like everything comes into place and you understand why the certain people aren't there and who all the characters are and what they've done. Um, I was ready for it to wrap up, but it kind of kept going a little bit. So that's kind of where my, I gave it a four, four stars on Letterboxd. So I'm not, I, I don't like this type of language to talk about this movie, to talk about movies, but like, that's where I took my one star off is like towards the end. For some reason, it kind of overstayed its welcome to me. Um, but I had a very late night the night before, and I was uh, very tired watching the movie. But I was also so into it that I was like willing myself to stay awake. Um, that's how good like the first I would say like eighty or ninety percent was. So the two thirds isn't quite accurate. But um, yeah, I I so like, I is that. is the point where it kind of fell off for you, like where it just turns into an action movie instead of like this yeah. really yeah. intense building film? Yeah, yeah. And the the sword fights are are good. They're cool. They're well done. Um, yeah, but I was very much into, like you said, that I, I didn't mind the pace at all. I was really into that slow build of, um, I liked the use of flashback and, uh, how <laughs> I don't remember anyone's names. I'm sorry, but the main character, how he kept saying, wait, I have one more thing to say. <laughs> and then <laughs> he would go back to the next flashback and, uh, the way that it slowly revealed character because mm-hmm. you initially, like I, the way I initially read it was that his 
son-in-law was almost a, a villain figure um, who was who he who the main character was against. Uh, but the way that that was slowly revealed to like they had an intense bond and uh, the reason he came with the bamboo sword and everything. Yeah, I just really loved all those reveals and how he came together it was basically immaculate. Yeah, um, I think I'm closer to Robert. Like that, I think the I think I re- was really invested uh, in this in the tension building, and then I think the choreography and the, the the visuals of when it turns into an action movie are great. But it was just like I'm not as interested in an action movie. Like I, I was totally interested in an action movie when I fired it on, and but then after we spent what like an hour and 40 minutes of this slow tension building. I was like, no, just do more of that. Like, let this be one of those movies that just kind of like ends with like one swift, you know, something, you know, um, that was like, let this be, let this end like kill bill Two, you know, where it's just a really anticlimactic ending, but like, you know, um, anyway, maybe the first time ever somebody's compared Harakiri to kill bill. Two. <laughs> uh, or at least wanted to compare the two. But, uh, I think, uh, except I, I maybe, I, I I I had issues with the pacing. I just feel like this this is a better movie if it's maybe fifteen minutes shorter. Um, it, it just kind of various placing. I thought it overstayed its welcome the slightest bit, uh, and specifically, I, I felt like it overstayed its welcome in the flashback narratives, which I really liked the flashbacks, and I thought the way they revealed things were great. But it was one of those as soon as the flashbacks started, or really as as soon as he makes that sinister laugh after after like knowing. Um, or after finding out that all three of like the main people are at home ill and nobody can see them. Um, I knew exactly, I knew what the movie was going to be from then on out. I knew it was going to be, um, this guy has come here with a plan and a purpose. He's, he's like the Joker when he gets into the jail cell and he's got a plan to get out. He's got a plan to do his thing. Um, so I knew it was going to be one of those movies. So it was just big because I already knew where it was going to go. I, I was like, oh, so so the person in the beginning is going to wind up being some really sympathetic character that we, in retrospect, don't really want him to die when you get the context surrounding everything. But then, you know, and, and then this guy's going to go off and kill a bunch of people. Like, that's how this movie's going to end. And I was like, that's that's what happened. So it's like I, I knew where it was going to go. So I wasn't really interested in it telling me what I already knew. Uh, and that's just my viewing experience. That's my fault. Um, See, that only bugs me when the movie isn't good so like <laughs> that's a good point too because dude, le- too, like just especially the reveal with the bamboo sword was i think one of the ones that like really struck out to me so yeah absolutely that's my that's my viewing experience fault yeah to to quickly two recent examples like i could tell where don't worry darling was going very early and then i was just uninvested from that point on um but then bodies 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 i at a certain point i realized like i realized the twist but I didn't care because it was done so well. Um, yeah. I didn't realize where this one was going, where Harakiri was going. But even if I had, I think it was so well done as it is that I really wouldn't have cared. Um, because it's it's a thinky. It's I like thinker movies. <laughs> <laughs> movies that give you things to think about. Like I love the idea that it presents of honor. Um, yeah. To the to the people at that he's coming to. Honor is an outward thing, and he's on. Uh, and he's. Um, bringing that to light he's he's like it's almost like the pharisees right in the bible where sure. they're making it very obvious and outward and they don't really care about the inward honor because then later on he just is like go kill all these people and make it seem like it was all done the right way like it was either sickness or harakiri themselves like sure he's not a good person he just wants to portray this honor um so to for him to expose um 
why can't I think of the word where it's like doing the opposite of what you're saying? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Yeah. (laughs) When he's exposing that hypocrisy. Um, I, I thought that that's the part that just like hit so well for me. Um, So when the movie ended, I thought I was in the high side of liked it because, or not when the movie ended, but the movie was like revealing all its cards. I think I was in the high side of liked it because the, the movie, the way it's portrayed with, with who our protagonist is, is meant to say that the clan made the wrong choice by letting the son-in-law commit Harakiri in their den. Um, like it, the right. movie is definitely trying to say that they made the wrong decision in letting him do that. But I, I disagreed with that. I was like, based off of all the context that they had, they made the right choice because they were like, this is a known thing. People are coming in here and threatening to commit Harakiri and you give them some money and they go away. Like, um, yeah, Foster wants to speak. This is great. I love this as a talking point because like, so for me, I was like, I don't think they made a a bad choice. But then with that last scene where he's like, you're going to go fight with a like den master who was sick for the first decision. He was, he was not present or I don't think he was sick. He just wasn't present. He wasn't around. He's like, you made the wrong choice. You made a leadership error. Here's what you should have done. Now everybody's going to suffer. Go make all these look like hard. Like it was, I thought it reconciled that very well at the end, but in the moment I was just like, I don't. So that's why I'm ultimately going to go and loved it. But I was just like, I don't, I don't know that they made the wrong choice, but I think the movie did a good job of bringing that back in at that point. Go ahead, Foster. I, so I think um, like if you, if you accept Harakiri, the, the ritual suicide as some noble thing, then it might seem like the, 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 um, they, the officials made the right choice. But I think like what this movie is doing and why it feels so radical to me is it's actually an indictment on the whole samurai honor culture. It's saying like, uh, who cares if it's, if it's honorable within your little system, the whole system is stupid basically is what the movie is saying. And coming out at a time when there are other samurai movies where the samurai are portrayed as these like noble people, like, Oh, aren't they awesome? They're protecting their village. This movie is like, uh, you all are, not not all of you, but like at least the people who are are so hypocritical like this and are 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 enforcing policies like this, it's it's kind of dumb. Like if you really really think about it, it doesn't make sense. Sure. You're you're encouraging people, you're helping them commit suicide, literally. Um, and uh, I think also what works so well about it is that our main character is the perfect embodiment of a good samurai up until that point. He is calm. Mm. He is uh, he is fairly truthful for the most part. Uh, apart from the stuff he's hiding up his sleeve, he's he's patient. He's um wasn't raising his voice really, you know. He's very clearly skilled with the sword, right? Like he is the perfect embodiment of this. So who better than him to criticize this system? It's like a perfect character to be mm. at the center of this. Um, and also I think the image that they keep showing of that uh that empty um armor, you know, yep. that a uh, sacred sacred object. Uh, I mean, what what better image? I think that's the final shot of the movie too. It's one of the opening shots too. What better image to bookend the movie than a, a sacred image that is quite literally hollow? It's a hollow suit of armor. Hmm. Their, their code is meaningless, is what this movie's saying, and that that to me felt like wow. Especially like in the time this came out for the '60s, it feels like a pretty bold movie. And so I don't know. I thought the message hmm. was really kind of kind of interesting. And to add on to like that, that, the point about the hollow suit. Uh, the main character throws it down at one point and like uses it as a shield. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's like cast aside. Like, hey, I'm. This is what I'm trying to do. Um, but then in the end, it kind of displays the the uselessness, the futility of his whole his whole attempt to uh, to radicalize to 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 
show off their hypocrisy because like you said, the last shot is that the suit is just right back up there. Yeah. Sure. And I think, um, so like that's the, the primary message is what I said, like a couple, couple minutes ago about the, um, that the whole system is kind of a sham in a sense. And, and not just the samurai system, but like think of any sort of power hierarchy that feels kind of arbitrary. Um, Automatic, yeah. uh, like, um, I mean, even think about, it's kind of interesting, the whole stuff with the queen and everything that's happening right now, it makes you think about the Royal family, like what makes them so much better than us other than their bloodline. It's arbitrary, right? N- not saying anything about the specific people, but it's like, um, so the secondary message of the movie, I think is actually kind of a pessimistic one in those last like 30 seconds to two minutes, which is saying like, this is always going to be the case. It's a cyclical mm. problem. This is always going to be the way it is. And yeah, it's it's kind of a downer ending, but I don't know. It really hits home. And so like all these themes for me really only hit home in that last half hour, which is why I liked it so much. On, so on top I think of that's the action, which I thought was kind of masterful. I, re- I thought like the, the visuals, like the, um, the third guy whose top knot he cuts off, like that yeah. that samurai fight in the field, that's iconic. Oh, it was like a western. I, mean, I had seen images of that even before yeah. I'd seen this movie, and I didn't know what it was from. But it, I thought it that was, was gorgeous, and I I didn't want to downplay it earlier, but it was just like we had a totally different movie leading up to that point, and I was almost just like, I want this just in a different movie. But yeah, it I was it really was gorgeous. Like, I actually really liked that particular sword fight um, because mm-hmm. it was yeah. still part of all the backstory. It was just like the last big one at the end, um, and it's so artful. Oh yeah, yeah. Like with the with the the grass blowing in the wind and everything, mm-hmm. um, it's so it's so good. Yeah. The last point I wanted to add on to the to the point that Foster was making was the first note that I wrote down after the movie ended was that like it's inherently Japanese, right? This movie because it takes place in 1600s uh, Japan. It's about samurai, mm-hmm. but nothing gets past you, <laughs> right? But it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, <laughs> I love that. It, like it's not just critiquing like samurai code. It's not just critiquing uh, this part of their history or something like that. It like like you said, it's something that can be universally applied to mm-hmm. any one of these dogmatic structures. Like, of course, me. If you've ever heard or read anything that I've said or done, you probably would assume that I'm going to take this to like a religious f- framework because that's where I immediately was thinking of it. Um, and like you said, the 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 crown like the british crown or the uh united states government you know you can go anywhere um Mm -hmm. that's i'm sure part of why it's lasted so long just because it fits anywhere um yeah i I love it yeah like i think the things that you're talking about are the reasons why i switched from like it to love like when the movie wrapped up and uh i i haven't had time to process this movie because it literally ended and then i sat down to record this um I really like what you're saying and it's giving me a lot to think about. So I appreciate it. That's mm-hmm. why this podcast is so much fun to me is because I always like, I feel like the the dumbest person in the room. Every time we record one of these goats episodes, mm-hmm. it's great. Um, cause I like, fe- I, I like, fe- I, if, cause in a good way, it's like, Hey, no, you missed this whole thing that the movie was trying to do. It's like, well, sometimes I just haven't had a chance to reflect on it. Aaron, sometimes are you also the smartest person it. in the room right now. I don't think so. You're the only person in that room. Shut up. Uh, I have two dogs in here. I know. Are they, are they persons? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, they're people to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm smarter than my dogs. Um, <laughs> Just so everyone knows. To make that fully yeah, clear. Yeah. To make it fully clear, one of my dogs, you know, pooped in the house the other day. So I... Did you? I, <laughs> I go to the backyard like a good. 
like a good boy. Like a good boy. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, anyway. I just, I, no, it's, I love, I love these conversations because, again, I feel like I, I still, I still have my. I think the movie like is is a masterclass if it's maybe like fifteen minutes shorter overall. Um, and, and I think I would appreciate it a lot more. But like, I'm I'm definitely appreciating it more the more we're talking about it. And I I think that's the case with pretty much all the goats movies. Even if I don't like it, I can still appreciate it. Um, or we can talk about why we appreciate it or whatnot. And it just it always seems to grow. That's why these lists are the the list that we have going is so hard. Cause like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a, this for me. And then it's like, oh, hold on. And I fully expect the, you know, my feelings on this movie to change, you know, on a second viewing or a year from now or whichever comes first. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, my own, my real, my really only issue is just the pacing, uh, just really kind of took me out of it for a little bit. So what would you cut out Um, for 15 minutes? I think I think there's a I think there's a little bit that you can cut out in the like setting up the flashback narrative part. Um, like ultimately, like I think you could sum up what happens there a little bit less. Um, I think you you could still have your great moments, but especially the whole part where there's the tension of uh, of the father who his option is he could essentially sell his daughter um, to be a concubine for some other leader and. And uh, and so that's why he chooses to have this person who was already good friends with them and already had respect to um, to marry his daughter. I, I don't know that that seemed to take a while to reach that point for me. Um, but uh, just little little stuff here or there, you know. Other than that, like I don't I don't necessarily know like if there's a scene you could take out uh, or anything like that. But I just feel like um, I I I yeah. It just at one point I paused the movie to get up and go to the bathroom. And I was just like, there's an hour left? How? Like, uh, I feel like I'm two hours into this movie. So that's, yeah. So maybe you weren't having as good of a time as you thought. Well. <sighs> because I know I talk about Lord of the Rings all the time, but I recently rewatched Lord of the Rings and those were like moving so much more quickly than I even realized. Like they're three and a half hours long for extended editions. And all of a sudden I looked and I'm two hours into the movie and I thought it was like, 45 minutes in uh yeah i think after rewatching fellowship of two towers those those certainly fly um, but my point is like long movies can feel quick and shorter movies can feel long if you're not into it sure i i think i was into it but then i was also just like simultaneously stressed about like trying to make this recording time and <laughs> and and some other things that are going on that i told you guys about but like mm-hmm. I, I so i think that also i was like i, I wanted to get that done before we recorded i want to get that done before um so and and also i started off this movie i i ordered lunch and started the movie and uh <laughs> i ordered chipotle which is a fine choice um but then i'm like having to like look down at my bowl and which me and this is a very dialogue oh, movie, so i'm like yeah i was just like this was a bad choice <laughs> your japanese is rusty too yeah mm. my japanese is extremely rusty uh, so much rust that it has completely fallen off um mm. But but in order for that to happen, it would have had to have been there in the first place. So mm-hmm. uh, one other thing I, I want to say, I I think this would make a great rewatch um, because I was yeah. I've been thinking back on it, and there's a lot of little details that I think um, a couple of them that I'll point out that stood out to me. Um, I mean, there's one line that's like probably my favorite line in the movie. The the guy is trying to make sure that our protagonist is actually going to follow through with the harakiri, and he says, 
something like, uh, don't worry, I shall disembowel myself with grand form. <laughs> and he does this little laugh. And like, you have no idea what that means when he says it. But now it's like, it's kind of crazy because this character's so angry and grief stricken to the point that he's like a little bit delirious and is taking yeah. just a little bit of joy in and showing them what a sham their place is. So it's kind of, he's a fun character to watch in that way. Another, another example, um, uh, early on, they ask him to change his robes like they did with the bamboo guy who did the Harakiri first. Uh-huh. And, and he, he says, I don't want to change my robes because he has the hair pieces in there. The top knots. Uh-huh. You know, what a great reveal, by the way. When he just starts pulling oh, out the hair. Toss, the top toss, toss. It's so good. And then the third one in particular. Awesome. Yeah. But like, I'm just imagining there's probably so many little details like that. So I think yeah. it'd be a cool rewatch. I love yeah, it when things those are, are over dramatic and it works. And that's one of those. <laughs> I've had it the whole time. It's, it's, it's like, justified. It's right. It's so good. Well, and that it's, it's not really the, it's kind of a reveal like that. And it's certainly kind of over dramatic, but my favorite probably like, you know, sort like piece of the movie was where he realizes that the the son-in-law sold his swords and that's why he has the bamboo swords now and he's like i didn't even think to sell my sword uh and again partly because of like the way that samurai culture is he's like the so the they, they mentioned like three or four times that the sword is the soul of the samurai um and so it's just like like that that particular moment struck me hard um i thought that was great and excellent acting so Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the reveals were great where he, where he does those things. And, and yeah, every time he has his little like maniacal laugh, it's especially because like, the, the way they, laughs. especially because the way they frame it is just like, you know, all the important people have just left the room. So he's just sitting and then there's a bunch of like, nobody's around him, <laughs> like not even close to him. Yeah. And he's just like, ha, 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 ha. like it's <laughs> like all those people are like, he's up to something. What does he do? Like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we should, we should say that, but what are you going to do? Like he's got, Hey, he was laughing really strangely when you were gone. <laughs> he made a comment about everybody being sick and what a coincidence. And then he just mm-hmm. laughed. <laughs> like, anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, one, an, an, one random other thing, just because I'm an overachiever. There's a remake that came out, I think, in 2011. And I watched it and finished it 15 minutes before this podcast. And I saw that you logged good. it on Letterboxd. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. Uh, pro- not, not quite as good as this. Um, I would say it actually makes me appreciate the original one more. But um, it's directed by, I'm going to butcher his name. I think it's like uh, Takashi Miike, I think is how I would say it, um, who's a really great director. He also did a movie called 13 Assassins, which is like a loose, loose, loose reimagining of Seven Samurai, which is also 13 Assassins is also a cool movie. Did but, somebody um, recommend that to you last month, Robert? Is that what Andrew told me to watch? I was, yeah. I was planning to <laughs> yeah. go back and listen <laughs> to find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember Andrew saying something about that, I think. Um, but it's a cool movie. Uh, and this one, actually, believe it or not, is even slower. <laughs> and there's more flashback scenes, even though the movie is 10 minutes shorter. Um, it's not quite as good. I think they lean more into the the grief angle of the main character than the original Harakiri does. So it's kind of interesting to see the different interpretations. But honestly, it's like the movies are just so similar that it's like, what was the point of remaking this? Um, but it was a good watch and I bet it would play really well if you've never seen either of them. And for some reason you're just morally opposed to black and white old movies. You could watch this one and have a really good experience. I think <laughs> so sure. there you go. Nice. Uh, I don't know that I have any other specifics to say about this movie, um, which is odd. Cause I was like, I really like the movie, but I don't think I have much to say on it. <laughs> movie. Good. Do you have anything, Robert movie? Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, it's safe to say, I think all three of us would categorize it as a goat. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. 
That was a very unconfident. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely. You no. Know, my whole uh, life, people have been telling me that like I don't look happy when I get exciting Christmas presents or something like that. So it's just it's just me. Don't oh, worry. But that's the worst because there's so much pressure. Whoa! Exactly what I asked for. Thanks. <laughs> 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 what a surprise <laughs> yeah it's either exactly what i asked for it's like this isn't what i asked for like mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was about yep. as, as enthusiastic as you're gonna get from me that's okay uh okay robert uh where do you have this ranked on your list uh number nine after network and before dead poets solid um i had this significantly lower which is crazy because i liked it more <laughs> i think i like everything a little more than you do though just because i'm easy to please um i had it at 18 but i'm gonna move it up to 16 um which puts it below just below great escape and last temptation so uh i also made a list because i knew this was coming Woo! oh i seen, love this oh dedication I've not seen, yes i've not seen all of them how, how many do you have 42 or 43 something like that total something like 42 that. 42 i've seen 33 of them and i ranked it at number 11 right underneath the sting and right above our smith and old lace I love that. I gotta go uh, check out this list later. I that's oh, it's great. private, but I can public it and <laughs> send it to you. Yeah, or screenshot. Arsenic old lace is too low. Aaron, yeah, we have arsenic. Here's the thing. Uh, this, is a, this is a great list. My lowest movie on here is still a seven out of ten. Like I, I really like all these movies that I've seen. My lowest movie out of here is a two. Um, <laughs> what is it? Eight and a half. <laughs> Eight. I, that was gonna be my guess. I remember you two. all were not into that. <laughs> yep, and it's still a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I have arsenic and old lace at five. Um, I have it at two. Yep. Um, although like, I might want to bump it up to four because I'll be standing outside uh, Barnes and Noble on <laughs> at midnight on October thirty first. <laughs> Or whenever Barnes and Noble opens for their next sale, ready to buy the Criterion Edition. I, I think mm-hmm. the and sale is going to be like, why is that guy smiling? <laughs> <laughs> I think the <laughs> I think the sale is in November because it's like a early, it's like Black Friday, so it's like right. all November. So just mm-hmm. wait a day. <laughs> okay. Which is also great because Infernal Affairs and The Power of the Dog and Wally all also come out in November, and Sound of Metal comes out. Oh. I think it comes out this, like very soon, like now. So I'm, that's going to be my shopping list for November. Um, anyway, that's wait one day and get it for half off. <laughs> yeah, I was <sighs> I was like, I'll wait until midnight. But then I was like, no, Barnes & Noble doesn't open at midnight. I don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, hey, they might. They might. Maybe maybe somebody listening to this podcast is like, maybe if we opened at midnight. <laughs> anyway, um, because they're looking at my IP address because I gave it out. They know where I live and they can oh, open right. my local Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine Barnes and Noble midnight releases for like for movies, not even for books? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, cause wasn't that a big thing for like the last couple of Harry Potter books? Like lots of, oh, like, yeah. like lots of bookstores. I don't know that we've had anything like that since, although I'm sure when the next game of Thrones book comes out, there will be like, a, everyone will be downloading of, it on their Kindles mm. or, or receiving it from Amazon. You know? Right. Or people don't care anymore because it'll be 40 years from now. Um, we'll see. 120-year-old uh, George R. R. Martin releases <laughs> <laughs> <is> the way. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, I saw actually saw the Arsenic and Old Lace Criterion release on Amazon. has two reviews for it right now. One of them is a five-star and one of them is one-star because the five-star is like, this movie's incredible. You should check it out. And the one-star is like, I really like this movie. But this is an absurd amount to pay for an old movie. Like, I get that it's Criterion, but... 
you know, like, this is still, I don't want to pay $28 for an old movie. And it's like, well, then don't buy it. Like, enjoy not having Arsenic and Lold Lace on Blu-ray <laughs> with, with like, great features, like, that are sourced from great people in the industry. Like, you know. Okay, after this podcast. You get what you pay for. After this podcast recording, the three of us are going to have a, a talent meeting. I'm going to represent the two of you, and you're you're going to do a, a podcast where you do voice work the entire oh, yeah. time. Oh yeah, for different Let's movie do it. people. Oh, love it. Yep, I love it. New, <laughs> new podcast coming to the studio soon. <laughs> nice. Uh, on the next goats, uh, we will be talking about Night of the Living Dead uh, because it's spooky season. Spooky. Um, spooky. Okay. Uh, Jake will be joining us to talk about Night of the Living Dead. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, next week, uh, we'll talk about next week later, actually. I don't know why I'm trying to do that now. Probably because I looked at the bottom to make sure that Jake was next next week. Anyway, uh, ready to talk about the V-plot? I- I'm sorry? Yeah. Are you ready to talk about the V-plot? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Robert said, pardon? <laughs> if I, if I had me, sir. <laughs> just a little better diction and a little less saliva constantly forming in my <laughs> mouth, I would be... 10 times better the podcaster that I am. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not the way. And my brain works faster than my mouth can talk, which is problems in many ways. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Foster sent in this question uh, a while ago that says, if you could make every person in the world watch five movies, which and why? Um, so, uh, Foster, since it's your question, you can kick us off. We, <laughs> oh, do we all have five, like just five. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're this isn't ranked. This isn't we're not going to do Trump rules or anything like that. If you want to, you can explain kind of why you picked certain ones or like why you're like, hey, maybe this list isn't quite whatever. If you want to before your first pick, uh, but uh, Foster, why don't you kick us off? Oh, just your like, first movie. I, oh, are we going? We're going one by one. Yep, we'll do one, one okay. each. Yep, and then got we'll it. Keep okay, going. just say Peter Rabbit um, two, the run away, and no explanation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. um, okay so my theme here uh with with my own question <laughs> by the way this the b plot should be renamed questions foster sent in a big list t- two months ago because <laughs> that's all it's been <laughs> every time i listen to this i'm like wow other people the send worst. Questions, other people sent them in but there was a lot of tv questions and we're not going to do the tv uh, questions on the non-tv episodes yeah um, and I love okay. the nostalgia casts for uh, the fantasy cast for the nostalgia picks. So, so uh, my theme, I, I took like the, I was thinking like, if I'm really able to get everyone in the world to watch movies, I needed to be like, have some purpose. I can't just be like, you know, Step Brothers is a fun movie. <laughs> you could. I, just do, I could, but it's like, then it's like, what was, the, I just wasted that, you know? So I, I was thinking of like the Roger Ebert quote that says that movies are like a a machine that generates empathy, something like that. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm making it deep now after my (laughs) shenanigans. But um, uh, so my five movies, (laughs) my my five movies sort of encompass different facets of the human experience that I feel like if everyone understood, we would all be a better place because of it. Blah 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 blah. Okay, so (laughs) my my first one here. But yeah, empathetic. philanthropist <laughs> foster <laughs> <laughs> anyways empathetic uh, optimist one. robert <laughs> or no, robert foster <laughs> sure <laughs> my my first one here this is just these are random order is 8th grade because i feel like this is a really great um Ooh. uh survey of the of the youth experience i guess you know like this to me is like the most accurate middle school experience i've seen on film 
And I feel like, especially for adults, I feel like it's a great reminder of adults in eighth what grade. it was like to be that age. <laughs> Say that again. Adults in eighth grade, like the adults in high school. Shut up, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> for, for the for the ad- adults, um, uh, <laughs> for, for the adults among us, not Robert. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, eighth grade would be a great reminder of what it was like to be in middle school. And also for the young people, it would be uh, a way to feel seen, I think. And I, I think uh, if everyone were to watch this movie, they'd have a little bit of a better understanding and more sympathy as opposed to just, oh, yeah, the generation that's all on their phones, because it's a lot deeper than that. So another impression for you for the podcast. So take notes. <laughs> going to make a super <laughs> cut of all the impressions from this episode. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Get on that. Robert, why don't you go next? Um, <clears throat> I had... a. Uh... A similar mindset to Foster, except I found myself, uh, I found it to be even more difficult because I couldn't stop thinking about like people in third world countries who have it worse than me. And like, mm-hmm. they're not going to relate to some of the same problems that yeah. I'm going to relate to. Um, so that's what I said it before we started recording. Um, but like, this was the most difficult question for me to fill out out of all the questions we've done on this show. And what has that been like? 20 plus episodes now you are Um, welcome thank you uh so i i started with the prisoner of azkaban nick no just kidding i started with (laughs) 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 no i I started with calvary um which i've i've absolutely loved since the first time i've seen it for the first time i saw it uh brandon gleason film with the lesser known mcdonough brother directing it uh john michael um it's basically a movie about human empathy and valuing everybody for who they are, no matter how like evil, no matter how uh, hurt, no matter, you know, just like no matter what uh, you can be on any spectrum of any type of person and you deserve to be valued. You deserve to be listened to. You deserve to be uh, forgiven. That's the main theme is forgiveness. You deserve that just because you're a person. Um, and especially these days, I think that is a very important thing to, for everyone to remember, no matter status in life, no matter where you live, or no matter if you're a uncontacted tribe in the middle of the Amazon and never watched a movie, that's still like something to keep in mind. Uh, similar to you too, my list revolves movies. I think, um, say something about humanity or at least make us think about humanity, um, or what it means to be a human or what it means to be a person or uh, a specific role. Uh, so I I tried also to pick movies that aren't the most well-known. Like, I feel like people that listen to this podcast will have heard of these five movies, probably seen most of them. Um, but like, I wasn't going to throw Schindler's List out of here, even though Schindler's List like really belongs on a, on a list like this. So also worth mentioning. Um, you know, um, so I will start, um, also I'm going to try not to have any of the things that you guys have on there. So if you say something, I'm going to have to replace them really quick. So I'm going to go ahead and just get it out of the way. The very first movie I thought about was about time. Um, just so there because were, there were certain, Robert, have you seen I, this movie? Uh, once or twice. <laughs> okay. There were certain movies I knew you guys were going to pick that I didn't put on the list. So yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, I, I'm really only worried about one of them at this point. <laughs> um, and so I know what it is. I mean, I'll take that. Do you? Okay. I'm sure. Um, that'll be my second. <laughs> so mysterious. Second. I just, yeah, I mean, About Time is one of those 
it, it's it just has something for everybody uh you know because it whether you're a child or a parent or a lover or uh, somebody who can time travel, it has something for everybody. <laughs> and I think this movie has a lot of messages, but ultimately that that final scene of him, this person that has the ability to time travel and chooses not to, like chooses just to live in the moment, uh, is 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 just powerful. Because I think we think of these what if scenarios, if you had time travel, what what mistakes would you make? And the, the whole thing about like the, the the mistakes make up who you are. It makes us human. It makes us... Um, exactly who we're meant to be, I think is just fantastic. So um, I just love, um, I love this movie and uh, that would absolutely be one. I'd... You guys are welcome to jump on these, these thoughts as well. Well, it's funny that you, you mentioned about time and sarcastically asked if I was, if I've seen that because I'm going on Shane and Rowan's po- podcast next week to talk about, uh, about time. That'd be fun. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, I, I, I guess you've ever What was that? Did they like recruit you for this movie or you suggested the movie? Oh, they recruited me for the movie. I have a reputation. Okay. Apparently. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, but Aaron, I completely agree with everything you're saying. That's why it's my number three movie. Number. Yeah. Number three movie of all time. It, I think I know, had it like, I have an eight. Yeah. It's yeah. That message is so universal and so important. Yep. All right. First round of the draft is over. Second round of the draft. Kick us off. Oster. We're not doing a snake draft uh, here. All right, my second one is Moonlight, just because continuing with the empathy theme, this is a, it, it is a very US centric list, but um, it's definitely a, uh, in a lot of ways, it, it depicts walks of life that are not familiar to, to me, at least, and to a lot of other people, um, especially in this country, I feel like it would be, I don't know, maybe eye opening at the very least, just to, to see someone go through what our protagonist goes through in Moonlight. Um, and it's just a well done movie. So uh, again, as as the as my list comes together, you'll see it's forming a, a a little bit of a complete picture. But I thought that would be a good one to add. I hate that I have to ask this, but what did you say for your first pick? I'm writing it down now. It's great. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh-huh. I just I like writing things down so I can see the full picture. Um, nice. Yeah, Moonlight. Um, I think first movie on our list that I haven't seen. Um, mm. So probably should. Yeah. You definitely should. I should. Yeah, I should. For sure. Uh, Robert, what are you picking? So I had a really hard time choosing five movies that were like earnestly good to fit this topic and like uh, have messages that everyone should should uh, should take to heart in their everyday lives. So my second one, and this isn't a bit Jay and Silent Bob reboot, because if I had to sit through it, then everyone else does, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. Yeah, that movie's garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Jeez. I, yeah, man, what a big pile of dog crap. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? What you had to clean up? Uh, nope, not yet. Um, <laughs> uh, for my second round pick, um, I'm going to take the one that I think is most likely to be on one of your lists. I put Mass. Yeah, that's yep. the one that I knew was going to be on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not playing Trump rules. Uh, no, I know, I know. I was, yeah, I was curious. I was like, I could see it being three or four different things that Robert has in mind. Uh, probably safe pet saying mass, but mass is, it's one of those movies that is just like stuck with me. And obviously for obvious reasons, but similar to, I, I think the the main reason I picked that is because this movie is so, um, well, I said, I, when I referred to you earlier, I said, I said, empathetic, I'm an apathetic <laughs> when we were talking about how you were like describing your list foster i meant to say apathetic mm. uh, so. this movie like is is a great portrayal of of empathy and of um 
of trying to co- to come together to understand people who have very different experiences coming together and understanding the context of what was going around. Um, I think again, kind of like Harakiri's point of the, um, the films that, or of the, of kind of getting the context for why the son-in-law comes to the place in the first place and what he's trying to achieve. And again, from my experience, looking at him the first time and being like, yeah, I don't know that they did anything wrong, but the more context you get, it's like, obviously that's not the outcome that should have happened, especially we didn't even mention the brutality of that scene, but gosh, that was rough to watch. So um, anyway, so just, yeah, mass would be one that I would love to, for everybody in the world to see. Okay. Um, unless anybody wants to add on anything round three. I mean, that's, that's my third, third round pick too is mass. Uh, I mean, I'm going to keep it just because I have to, because I've made it with, <laughs> it's like the centerpiece of my, <laughs> of my whole okay. list because it's literally a movie about empathy. So I'll just talk a little bit about it and say that, um, uh, like my list is more so about human experience than it is about any particular messages. It's just about trying to, to see other people as people, um, no matter how hard that may be or how different their walk of life may be from yours. And, um, I don't know. I don't think there's a better representation of that than mass, um, which I'm, I'm like still even hesitant to say what the movie's about just in case people still don't know. Cause it's just such a great experience to watch it. But um, it's like at its core, it's about uh, finding the humanity in, in people who you ordinarily would think you could never find any common ground with and, and who you might even detest on like a deep, deep, deep moral level, visceral level. Like you might hate another person, but they're still a person and they still have a walk of their own walk of life that led them to this place. And it's about being able to see through that and to have deep moments of human connection through it all. And it's not, it's not even like you're necessarily moving on from the, the pain that, that you feel from other people, but it's learning to accept, yes, this person causes me pain, but I can still love them as a human, you know, and see their inherent worth. If that makes sense. It's just like such a great, it's like the best message of any movie ever made. <laughs> it speaks to me so much. So I just love it. And that's my number three. Nice. Robert. <clears throat> my number three is never rarely, sometimes always. Um, Ooh, this is a great pick. Thank you. Um, again, especially right now, this is an important thing to keep in mind uh, because you could do like, what's the obvious, what the obvious literal, literal reading of it is. It's just like how important <laughs> abortion is as a, uh, available option to women, uh, include and how it shouldn't be a stigma, including for young teens who find themselves in the situation where they need or want one. Um, but at the same time, you can just look at it as a movie about um, people in difficult situations um, and how they deserve to be helped. Just because, again, like we've been talking about with all these, uh, especially Jane Silent Bob how they deserve to be helped because <laughs> they're people and because everyone deserves this, this uh, base level of uh, <laughs> empathy um, in, a, in a very serious way. Um, yeah. Never really sometimes always is an incredibly moving movie about an incredibly important topic. Um, it's just that everyone deserves the same rights um, because there are certain things that are fundamental to being a person and nothing should be legislated away uh, from you because of politics. Now, I just, I really appreciate that you put this on your list, Robert, because it's, it's not one I, I would have thought about it if I would have had enough time, but ultimately uh, like I, I didn't, 
I don't know why it just never it didn't hit my list. I think it's because I was looking through my favorites movies of all time list because I wanted like also movies that are cinematically like four and a half or five stars. Um, actually, I think all the ones on my list I have at five stars. Um, so like I wanted that, but also like I think this movie is really important because as somebody who grew up in a relatively like um, I don't know like uh, I don't even know how to describe sheltered lifestyle. Um, I had, I had never had to experience somebody making that decision. And so watching the movie itself was just horrifying for me and just help, help me become, help me on my journey towards being empathetic towards, um, towards that particular situation. So just, I feel like there's a lot of people that maybe have never had to, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have gone through it, but I feel like there's people that don't know probably because they're the people that nobody tells because. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, because they know the reaction. Okay, so anyway, just that was a really great exposure. Um, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Ikiru. We talked about this on the podcast. Uh, talk about movies that say things about life. Um, I mean, this is one of the best examples of that. I'm still uh, in awe of this movie. I'm still thinking it's it's one of the best um, that we've talked about for this podcast. Still thinking that it's uh, um, it's it's one of those that like I'm dying for a rewatch, but um, I'm not. I'm, I'm wanting to show my wife. I'm wanting to show my friends. Um, mm-hmm. The remake's coming out in a couple months. Yeah, I'm looking. Is it to really that. already? Yeah, with Bill Nye. I saw okay. it. Okay, I know. I you was saw the remake. It. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, I was recently looking through Sif Pop writers like movie rankings for the year to see what I've missed out on, and I saw mm. that on your list. I got so excited because I thought it was out, and then I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, it doesn't come out for another this couple was, months." It's like great. This was when they. Thing. W- yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the Sundance virtual thing, so you could have seen it too. And I think okay. I paid like ten dollars or something to see it early. And it was it's so it's it's what's cool about it is that it's actually got its own style. It's like a British man with a bowler hat and an umbrella in the nineteen fifties or whatever, like old Hollywood style. And so it's like it's it's really its own thing, even though the story is identical. Um, it doesn't hit as hard emotionally, but Bill Nighy should get nominated for this. I'm not saying he will. I'm saying he should, because uh, he's really, really amazing. So Sweet. there you go. Uh, what's what's that's the name of the remake? Living, which I think I think that's what Ikiru means in English. Um, I although as we as we said, our Japanese is a bit rusty today. <laughs> today, tomorrow will be better. Today, tomorrow. Well, I'm infinitely more excited. Yeah, because I I knew I knew one was coming, but I didn't know when. Now you're saying it's coming out like very soon. Great. Anyway, uh, back don't, to the don't Japanese. Too nice. It's like it's like seven out of ten for me, maybe. So don't 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 like think it's going to be life changing. Your letterbox I, I said it was a four wanna... out of five. That's a different. <laughs> oh, four out of five. Okay, sorry, I lied. <laughs> no, uh, no, I think this this is um this, you know a Kurosawa film. I I would say it's my favorite of the ones that I've seen, which is. I think three. Um, <laughs> so um, no, but I loved it. We talked plenty about it if, on uh, on one of these episodes. Um, and yeah, I just, it's just great. And it hits me in, in the warms and it makes me cry and all that stuff. What hits anyway, me in the colds? What hits me in the colds? Um, yeah. uh, Not enough time to think of something yeah. funny <laughs> in response yeah. I know. to that. <laughs> I know the, uh, 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 I lobbed up another one for you, and it, you couldn't. Oof. It hits me in the colds. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Foster, what's your next one? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what hits you in the colds, Robert? Huh? I was I was the one asking the question. Well, now you're the question answerer. 
Uh, oh, have the turntables. Uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. <laughs> oh, damn, that's the perfect answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Foster. Let's get off of this. All right. So I've got uh, Eighth Grade, Moonlight, Mass, and then my number four is The Hunt uh, with Max Mickelson, yes. which I think is uh, another great empathy-generating movie because it's uh, about Don't a spoil guy it, who's... I still got to see it. Well, it's a about the I mean the basic premise is a guy has been accused of something pretty horrible to a child. Mm-hmm. Um I Aaron, do you think do you think there's any spoileriness in saying whether he did it or not? Like um, is that even part of the movie? It's near the end of the movie, so I would say it veers. Okay, okay. But the whole um, the whole film it, it wants you to live in the uncertainty. Like I don't know that we're ever supposed to concretely believe one way or the other. Maybe I, um, mm. like I think we're supposed. I, think I disagree, to... but that's okay. <laughs> well, I, th- I I definitely know the way I think, and I feel like there's a scene that means that. No, never mind. It does. You're right. Um, there is there is a different ambiguity about the ending. Um, but yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't. I, don't well, I think it would be a spoiler to say whether or not he did. Okay. Um. Well, you empathize with this man in a way that uh maybe um you wouldn't if you knew him in real life. And mm-hmm. it's the sort of story you read about and you don't really think about the long-term implications of your judgments towards him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Please then do not read anything into what I just said in terms of the morality of what he did or did not do, since I'm going to be mysterious about it. <laughs> just watch the movie. It's really good. <laughs> and Mads Mikkelsen's performance is incredible. So Yeah. Also, Thomas Vinterberg collab. Mm-hmm. Uh, I second that. That's a great pick. Robert. Uh, I had a different movie here, but I think I'm going to call an audible because a better one just came to my mind and that's drive my car. Um, mm. I, this one has stuck with me. It, I mean, it hasn't been super long since I saw it because it just wide released on HBO earlier this year, mm-hmm. but, uh, it made a huge impact on me the first time I saw it. The only time I saw it, um, so much so that it's just stuck with me the whole time. Um, it's about a lot of things, including about stories and about grief. Um, but most of all, to me, it's about just like admitting that sometimes life sucks and not trying to sugarcoat it all the time. And just like, um, yeah, just admit it to yourself and admit it to others. Um, kind of be open about it and let that guide you in life. Let that be one of your guiding principles um, because it gets at truth and honesty which make for deeper relationships and deeper interactions and that's yeah something that i value a lot nice yeah robert heard aaron and i do two foreign movies in a row and thought i got to get in on this action well i was <laughs> i was actually going to do a different foreign movie but oh, okay okay i'm pretty sure i can pick out which one uh what do you think seven seal no uh, okay, so I would have been wrong. I mean, I don't. Uh, wanna, okay, I don't want to go over my five movies. I already cheated a little bit by saying Prisoner of Azkaban. I don't officially <laughs> count that. Um, okay, for my fourth pick, I'm going with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, I think this movie has incredible things to say about love, and incredible things to say specifically about the pursuit of love. Um, it, it's not even like necessarily like under the surface. Like I'm not. I'm not like you don't have to be a genius to pick up the things that it's saying the things it's trying to evoke which I think is also like great about the movie I feel like everybody can understand what's going on but like there's I'm gonna like slightly spoil the movie for you um it's not a it's not a happy love story um 
you you see this this couple struggle frequently and um but 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 honest but the way the movie ends where it just chooses to say isn't it worth going one more time it's 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 very similar to um uh, what's the greek the greek myth of the guy that goes down to hades to and he can't look back either you mythology people percy jackson um, <laughs> <laughs> no we saw music we saw hades town which is a broadway play based off of this story which is honestly terrific um it, uh uh orpheus that's the one orpheus oh i was um, thinking him <laughs> sure <laughs> uh but no it like it, it very much because like the end of of that story the end of that play is like isn't it worth like isn't it still worth the pursuit of love every time and so i think eternal sunshine like saying that 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 love no matter the consequences is still worth pursuing in in terms of like because of the joy it can bring um as well as i mean there's also s- some negative connotations to love in the film as well um with the the tom wilkinson character um, it's it, it's and it's funny and it's delightful and it shows lots of stages of relationship and I adore this movie. Um, I really like Eternal Sunshine. So, last picks. Am I first? Yep, I think so. Okay, my last one to sort of be the the capstone. What what word am I thinking of? The capstone, the big finish, yeah. whatever. Um, so I have eighth grade, Moonlight, Mass, The Hunt, and then my final one that I think just really. It's like impossible to watch this. It's actually the, a documentary um, and not feel warm inside is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Um, mm, because I'm already feeling uh, warm inside. A, a lot of, well, all of the other picks are, uh, they're all fictional. And and this just brings it into the real world and shows you that um, you actually can bring this uh, empathetic spirit um, into your everyday life. And uh, Mr. Rogers is the perfect example of that, of course. And it's just great. It's delightful. Um, I cried probably like at eight different points in this movie. It is the most I've cried in a movie outside of Schindler's List. <laughs> um, and, Fair. Uh, I just think it's. I just think it's swell. So that's my number five. It's swell. Fair. Nice. Robert, rounding it out. Uh, 2022's Death on the Nile because sometimes it's important to know why a guy <laughs> grew a mustache. There we go. I love how your list is like half amazing answers and half amazing answers, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> nice. People <laughs> also, needed I love to know. how that's your big finale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's important to know why a guy grew his mustache. Out of curiosity, what was your grew his mustache? What was your international your French? That you they don't. Up? I think. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Foster. How would that look if he if if they really wanted to make him French? I know they they don't really hit that home enough. The accent is so like American sounding. Uh, okay, well, uh, I I I'm gonna call an audible on one that I picked because I, I I initially put down Rope, but I think Rope is a great film and and has some things to say, but ultimately like. It, to me, it's just I think it's a fascinating film that kind of warrants discussion, but not not necessarily anything if, if I'm going to put it on the top five, like really want to make you watch, especially in relation to human experience. So on a similar note, I'm going to go ahead and pick Spotlight for my last pick. Mm. Um, the the main the main reason being that Spotlight is a is a great movie. First of all, it's a great movie. Uh, second of all, it's it's a great movie that displays um, just 
the pursuit of truth and the pursuit of justice in a relentless way um, that, that there is a capacity for the human spirit for, for us to long for, for some sort of justice. And I think this movie shows, shows that pursuit in a really powerful way and then um, reaches a conclusion that is incredibly satisfying. Um, So I think that's a, that's a great point to the movie. And then the other is, is just again, kind of a, kind of a cautionary tale that just like, not everybody that appears good is good or, uh, or, or just things along that line. Uh, it's, it's a cautionary tale as well. So um, dark subject matter, very hard to watch sometimes, but um, spotlight. Yeah. Uh, I'm good with that. So uh, anything you guys want to say about your list finally, before we move on or um, we've, we've all said our piece. I wish there were more movies where it showed why a guy grew his mustache, but you can't have it all you can't have it all no and isn't that what this podcast is really all about that you can't have it all yeah not enough mustaches to satisfy the masses oh man that's what i always say at least i need a seneca crane origin story for his mustache or for his beard he's got a full beard that's a whole other thing that's a whole other thing Mm. it's still important i gotta know why he has that really awesome beard well i'll let Susanna collins know yeah, maybe in the Hunger Games prequel dial. they'll they'll discuss. This is two thousand five, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yep, two thousand five. Where the Hunger Games hasn't even been published yet. Mm. Has it? I don't think so, right? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> fact checking. Uh, Hunger Games books. There is the two thousand eight coming Let's out. Go two thousand eight. Well, there's Ha-ha. there's still room in the prequel movie that they're filming, so. Well, and if you were to speed dial Suzanne Collins in 2005, you would have she would have definitely been able to just write it into the first book. <laughs> she sure could have. <laughs> well, let's do the spinoff then. Uh, what's <laughs> Robert, we're going to start with you. What's that one thing in any era of pop culture that you're really dying to tell everybody to check out or to stay away from? I already uh, bashed Don't Worry Darling. Don't Worry Darling a bit, so... I was planning on doing that, but I guess. Uh, Didn't your, your wife your... like it? Isn't that what you said? This whole podcast is you just like, <laughs> take <Yeah>. that. <laughs> what you did like it. We talked about it for a long time. I explained why she's wrong. No. Um, <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, something I'm going to actually recommend. Um, I haven't seen the most recent. Well, at the time that this uh, publishes, I will not have seen the most recent two episodes. Um but The Patient on Hulu starring Steve Ooh. Carell and Donald Gleason, um, where Donald Gleason is a serial killer who captures his therapist and chains him up in his basement and forces him to do therapy for him in his basement to help him stop serial killing. Uh, like that old tale. That, yeah. I can't believe <laughs> I you're doing it again. Eric. You've seen it a thousand <laughs> times. <laughs> It's overdone, really. They, they should stop. <laughs> Too much. Sorry, continue. So far, it's, <laughs> so far, it's very good. About 20-minute episodes. I kind of wish it would have been a movie instead. But, hey, that's... Oh, interesting. 20-minute episodes? Yeah, I've heard, I heard that, and that was... Like the strangest thing about it to me, the 20 minute. The advertising for sure made me think this is like 10 hour long episodes. No, okay, no, it's very short, and I feel like it should have been a movie. That's my one knock on it so far. But Steve Carell and Donald Gleason are both incredible. Gleason, uh, he he proves that sometimes, even though nepotism got you in a place in in the first place, uh, sometimes it's earned, um, because he's great, like, he just has a different default face for every role. Like 
Tim in About Time is different from this character, is different from Star Wars, is different from Ex Machina, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I just did his Star Wars face <laughs> for the for everyone else who's not on this call. So your new, your new podcast is going to have to be visual as well, so you can do the faces. <laughs> I'm amusing myself and no one else, that's okay. That's how it is most You're of the time You're amusing anyways. us too. I, okay. I, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> well, You're getting a off. different side of me today. I like this side of Foster. That, uh, Steve Carell is also great, and just the fact that his most well-known role was The Office, and like being silly as Brick and Anchorman and everything, and the fact that he can go and do like this and Beautiful Boy and Foxcatcher. He's these these are two of the like widest ranges in all of Hollywood. Just showing it off on an incredible scale. Sure. Yeah, and Crazy Stupid Love. I love him in that. So not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm really excited to watch this one. I'm, it's going to go up my watch list. The fact that there are 20 minute episodes now. I'm going to I'm gonna definitely make it more of a priority. Uh, yeah, check it out. Because it's way less of a time commitment. But I was really excited by the trailers. I'm glad to hear you're liking it. Foster, what do you got? Okay, this is uh, something that I'm kind of embarrassed I've never seen before. Because I feel like for a lot of people who are into movies, it was kind of like a staple of their household. But You've after- never seen this? I can't believe it. I'm so ready to judge you. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's not even. It's Back it's, to the Future. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not even a movie. This is what it is. It's because of Rings of Power coming out. I rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I'm getting I'm getting really back into it. It's reigniting my love for all the Tolkien stuff, and I'm for the first time making my way through the the Lord of the Rings appendices on the big DVD box sets, oh. and um. Part of why I'm like so embarrassed that I haven't seen this, it's like almost emotional how amazing it is. I feel like pretty not pretty confidently, had I watched this when I was younger, like like elementary school age, I think I would have gone into the film industry. That's how much I'm loving these appendices. Mm. There's so much cool stuff on here. There are jobs that I didn't even realize were a thing on movie sets. Like it's really, really, really incredible, the sort of behind the scenes stuff. Just in case you don't know, there's like these six hour behind the scenes documentaries per movie of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And they're really kind of blowing my mind. I'm I'm partway through the Return of the King one now. Um, just to give you like a couple random fun facts that I've learned that I never would have known. Um, like just, Is it that just Aragorn random. actually broke his foot when he kicked no, the they, helmet? <laughs> everyone knows that. <laughs> all the all the guys whispering to their to their girls sitting to their left who just could not. <laughs> we could not be we got to, to that care. scene, and my wife looked me right in the eyes. She's like, "Did you know?" Like, because yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. knows it. But like, um, just some last minute things they did to to make a scene different. Like the when they're filming Galadriel scenes, they wanted the reflections in her eyes to have a different look than the reflections in other people's eyes. So what they did is they went out to a store, purchased a bunch of Christmas lights, tied it up around a rig, and then held it in front of her face so that her eye reflections would be different than everyone else's eye reflections. Small things like that. Another one, the Balrog, the the Balrog. I don't know. I've no, <laughs> I'm second guessing the way I pronounce that now. Uh, the sound of the creature is uh, created by taking cinder blocks and dragging them across concrete. That's the growl sound. Huh. You know, like stuff you never would have known. Um, it was a couple people's jobs to just sit and create chain mail for years. They ended up linking individually about 12 million pieces of chain together. And they apparently did it so much that they wore out their fingerprints. Um, there's a couple people's jobs <laughs> oh on God. set 
who it was to actually design trees. Like their whole job was just to design the look of trees. And like a lot of the forests that you see in the movie that you think like, oh, they just found some like cool New Zealand forest is actually a set, like whole forests that you, things that I, cause like I knew, of course I know that they use miniatures and they, they use all this cool practical stuff. But um, until now, I don't think I ever actually realized which things were miniatures versus real life. And I'm, to be clear, I'm seeing this as a massive Lord of the Rings fan. I've watched these a million times, and I just can't, now you can't can say it. you're a massive Lord of the Rings fan. I know, I know, and I'm in, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I am. Uh, I also had never seen Andy Serkis's audition tape for Gollum. That oh. was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm also like having huge, huge respect for the two MVPs of this whole series for me are Alan Lee and John Howe, who are the illustrators who like basically everything you like about the look of the Lord of the Rings movies is due to these two men, I think, in the, their illustrations, because they're they're the ones who are coming up with the way things look just based on text. It's crazy. Um, and yeah, I, it's just reinforcing how special I think these movies are. Uh, and I, I online, I've seen some people say like, well, you know, Lord of the Rings used CGI too, but I think the key difference for me, and this is my sum up here, I'll shut up in a second, is that the Lord of the Rings movies used computer effects to supplement the the foundation that they already had in miniatures, in props, in the metal work that they did, in the optical illusions with the camera work and makeup, all that stuff. Whereas now it feels like CGI is the foundation. And as yeah. a result, there's a little bit less life to, to some movies nowadays. I think that's the key difference for me. And the amount of effort that I'm seeing in, in these behind the scenes things is unlike anything. And I can't, I cannot imagine that there's another movie or another movie series that has more more effort put into the behind the scenes or more reverence for the source material than these. And it's blowing my mind. And I just wanted to let people know. You well, haven't gotten to the end yet. Like you at the end of the return of the King uh, behind the scenes, when they're talking about like the Oscars and everything and just like the, the last days on set with all the actors. Yeah. It'll be about 90% as emotional as the end of the actual Return of the King I'm movie. I'm so ready for it. Like, it's also so crazy. Like these people I know now from this documentary, I feel I like my friends have won Oscars. That's what it feels like. See, that's the thing is I've watched the, the appendices maybe three times in my life. And I had like the standard, like, you know, the two disc special edition DVD back when I was a kid. And I, I wore those out. They were, they weren't technically the appendices, but they had their own behind the scenes featurettes mm-hmm. on the, in the second disc. Um, so thanks to all those, I'm like the, the guy at the baseball game with his girlfriend meme, just like with his hand out like that. Anytime I watch yeah. Lord of the Rings with someone, I'm just like, <laughs> it's like any scene I have a piece of trivia about because I've watched and read so much behind the scenes stuff. I'm, I'm happy that you're mm-hmm. watching it, Foster. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, man, that's incredible. The other, I mean, the other thing about CGI too is in terms of that is it was also just done with more care than any CG has been done like since Mm -hmm. like, cause I'm watching the 4k transfers now and they look like they could have come out today. Um, so she is one of the greatest CG creations I've ever seen that shot where she is hovering over Frodo and, and it's her legs just splay outward, but it's, mostly silent aside from a little bit of rubble falling is one of the greatest effects shots I've ever seen in my life. So it's, it's, they're amazing. I'm in a are phase these, right now. <laughs> are these only available on, uh, on the DVDs or like, do I have them on the 4k set or, um, um, they're on I, some other editions. I don't know. I, do you have any edition um, of the, any other edition of the extended? 
like any I other. I have the four K. I have the four K set, which has the extended and theatricals of each movie. Just and I have, uh, and I have the Blu-ray set, which I think is just each of the films on Blu-ray theatrical yeah. cut. I don't think any special features. The appendices Foster is talking about comes specifically with the extended edition, so I don't know if it's on the four K. Uh, but I think it's only the movie. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, check your 4K Foster's and if it says appendices. Yeah, I'm looking right now. I don't think they have it on the 4K discs. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone who is a movie person had these big Lord of the Rings box sets. I know exactly what you're talking about because like one of them's green, one of them's red, and one of them's black, right? Blue, yeah. Blue, yeah. yeah I, I don't I, know I can, where I'm sure I can them. find them at but some Google disc exists. resale store for like $3 a piece because they're DVDs, you know? Um, I'll send so, them to you. <laughs> I well, if this podcast has taught me anything about Lord of the Rings, is that I am taught myself about Lord of the Rings. I'm much more interested in watching what you're talking about than I am Rings of Power, and that's well, of course, it's both Lord of the, the celebration and huh? Yeah, of course, it's Lord of the Rings, the greatest trilogy ever. Except not for there yet. Aaron, who I'm says it's the yet. apes movies, it <laughs> better is. than Lord it... of the Rings. Oh, get out of here! Shut up! Uh... I'm kicking you off your own podcast for blasphemy. Well, for my spinoff, I um, recently finished playing a video game. I played The Quarry recently, and I really enjoyed that. Jack wrote an article for The Sensitive Pop recently, so I had some fun talking with him about it. Um, this came out in June, but given that it is the start of spooky season, spooky. This is this is a uh, spooky season. This is a um, a interactive game uh, that is on all consoles uh modern consoles and pc so ps4 and 5 xbox all the xboxes um and uh the uh pc and all that stuff it's a it's a very simple game in terms of gameplay but it's one of those where it's like it's got a really engaging and compelling story if you're a fan of like 80s horror um it'll have a lot of throwbacks and a lot of like similar feels for you um certainly worth like playing for the easter eggs uh in that way for you i'm not I'm sure there's tons that I missed, but like it, it just kind of had that aesthetic and feel of like, you can tell that they're big fans of like Friday the 13th and um, Halloween and some of that other stuff. There was some, there were some Easter eggs that I definitely noticed. I'm like, Oh, I get that. That's fun. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, this is a, it, it's kind of a choose your own adventure thing. So every single character's fate, whether they live or die is in your hands. Um, and you can choose to play it however you would like. Uh, but it's a really compelling about 10 hour story. Um, so I really enjoyed it. That's my <sighs> Foster. I think you'd have a good time with it. Oh, you know, I'm not a video game person, not for lack of interest. I just do not have the time for another hobby. <laughs> I well, and that's why I was like, I don't think you are, but I was just like, you. I don't think this game requires a ton to run, and okay. uh, it, it, gives, it gives about a ten hour experience, and um, and especially like it, I feel like you could do it on pretty much any laptop because it's like it, okay, you don't actually have controls. It's like select one or two option like that's what you have to do you know um sometimes there's some walking and exploration it's also um they do motion capture for like some really like well well-known actors and actresses like one of them is justice smith from uh detective okay. pikachu among some other things he's one of the main characters was um, he in fallen kingdom yes that was the other thing i okay. never remember the other thing uh and then uh brenda song from the sweet life of zach and cody is uh is mm-hmm. is one of the characters here <laughs> Um, uh, and, uh, um, uh, David Arquette plays the camp counselor. Do we? Um, yep. So, uh, so, uh, and, um, I don't know the guy's name, um, but he's like the best friend from my name is Earl, like heavy set 
hickish kind of guy. He's got a role. Um, he, play, he plays a lot of the hick roles. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sure he would love that description. <laughs> Heavy set hickish kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Wait, uh, you haven't mentioned like the biggest name. Uh, Skylar Gazondo. I can't tell if you're being serious. Oh, yeah, this yeah. Skylar, Skylar Gazondo's in there for. Okay. For, he was in my playthrough for not that long. <laughs> gotcha. I I accidentally killed him pretty much as soon as I could. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> again, like much you of an kill... impression. No, I I wanted to like him, but I had this choice where I guess I'll spoil one of the. I had this choice where. I could have him swim across a lake or stay on this island. And I was like, all right, we'll go ahead and swim across the lake and help out the others. And he gets to the other side of the dock and this monster just eats him. I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I had a good time playing that. I'm excited for replays. I'm just not excited. Like I'm kind of a completionist. So I want to get, there's like certain achievements for all the endings. Like one of them is like only this character can survive. One of them is like everybody has to survive. One of them is everybody has to die. And like, I want to know all those outcomes. I want to see how they play out when you kill everybody. Um, but, uh, or when you let everybody live, but you you can't like skip any of the in between. So you have to do a full 10 hour playthrough each time. And I'm not here for that. Um, that's the kind of stuff I don't have the time for, but That'll do it. So remember, you can follow Robert and Foster over at Letterboxd. You can also follow Robert at Twitter uh, and then other stuff. I, you could also do it for Foster, but he didn't seem to advertise that. I'm, I've assess- privated Twitter's it because I, I don't want my students to stalk me. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> That's makes the sense. the real answer. That's yeah. fair. I was just like, I get not advertising Twitter because it's a cesspool. Um, mm-hmm. But it's. I mean, it's, you can follow me on there. I'll accept you. <laughs> we can be friends. That's okay. Uh, so uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, Letterbox at Schweitcastle. A uh, quick reminder: Studio DNA or Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. That's the that's the right order. You can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you want to write for SipPop.com or you want to get in contact with the show, uh, maybe send us a question to explore during the B plot uh, or a million questions to explore during B plot. Fine, I'll add them to a queue. Uh, <laughs> then you can email Writers Room at SipPop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening over that direction, next week uh, we'll be talking. It's a nostalgia week, so I have Heath and Nash joining me. Uh, we'll be talking about Rookie of the Year and Little Big League. That should be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, childhood, saw, baseball, nostalgia. I saw Little Big League uh, a million times. And right? Yeah, For, I, I haven't saw watched it, it since. Uh, I saw it like right at the start of COVID. I think I was oh, okay. just in. I was just in a mood to watch it. I was like, I'm sure I'll cover it on the podcast at some point, but I want to watch this. Uh, and I did. So talking about those two next week, and then uh, next month, come back. Robert and I will be joined by Jake to talk about Night of the Living Dead. Maybe we'll get unhinged Jake next week. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so <laughs> first we all have un- unhinged Foster, then we'll have unhinged Jake. I'd like to see have what you, unhinged you, Shane looks like. Have you seen unhinged Jake? Is that a thing he does? No. Oh, okay. But I'm interested. Okay, so, I'm waiting. I saw, I'm ready, um, Jake. <laughs> I saw Unhinged Foster one specific time when he nerfed my podcast bracket. <laughs> <laughs> and Shane. It's my proudest <laughs> achievement. Unbelievable. And Shane, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> this seems to be targeted towards me. <laughs> well, you're the one who's here I right now. <laughs> I know, and it's my number one, too, that one. So I was, I, I was happy with how that podcast went. I'll just say that. I'm happy with the outcome, too. Um, sh- sure. Sports ball. <laughs> Fantasy sports ball. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about movies. But... Oh, 
I, I thought, weren't you guys in like a fantasy basketball league together? Uh, <laughs> no, it, Robert did this A24 bracket thing oh, on his podcast. <laughs> so same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that too. <laughs> I am. I am. In a Aaron, Aaron is just holding his head in shame. Before. I'm just like, I listened to it. Why do I not pick up on it? <sighs> anyway. Um, thanks for hanging out guys. I had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I'll get like back to the writer's room now. <laughs>